everyone and welcome to the first episode or episode zero of Shoots and Scoop podcast brought to you by Break for Assault. I am Ben and today I'm joined by Duncan. Hello. And Lee. Hello. So guys, uh, episode zero, the test run that may never see the light of day. <laughs> well, we can only hope. I look forward to episode pie. Episode pie. <laughs> Is this that weird thing, though, for anyone to actually have heard that? Obviously, it has me the light of day, so it's an irrelevant sentence. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that paradox. Have we entered the paradox already? Oh, yeah. God. Bah, bah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, new, brand new podcast. Obviously, we, we did used to bring you uh, Beyond the Foxholes, which died a death about two years ago. And when some a selfish person decided to leave. But, uh, yeah, anyway... New podcast, Shoot and Scoot. Not um, what's the what's the line for this one, Duncan? I've forgotten already. Oh, Shoot and Scoot, yeah, and not Poop and Scoot. Well, not Poop not, and Scoot. Uh, <laughs> not Poop and Scoot. But we're not we're not convinced. We're not convinced. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, so yeah, so quickly, guys, I guess what we're going to do this episode. So this is kind of the pilots. We're going to kind of chat about who we are, why we're here, and then we've got a topic to go through, and then. Yeah, this obviously may never see the light of day. It's more of a test for us, but if it's good, then you'll be hearing it. Publish and be damned. That's what I say. Yeah. <laughs> Publish and be damned. Yes, quite. <laughs> if we've got to be here, so do you. <laughs> Making uh, others suffer. Well, right. I get Duncan, do you want to start off with uh, your wargaming background and what you're currently working on with Flames? <laughs> yeah. I can do. I can. I can uh, go over my gamer gamer cred. Um, I like to describe myself as a second generation wargamer. Uh, that being uh, that my father has been going for God forty odd years or something insane. I don't even know now. I think it's he's got figures in his collection older than me. Um, so uh, yeah, I kind of didn't have any choice about joining uh, the fraternity. Um, so I, I play locally in West Sussex. So uh, I've been to a few of Lee's tournaments. Um, I don't actually get as much um, to the competitive scene as I had done. I've been playing Flames of War probably for about, well, just after V3, I think, dropped. So I think I got one of the um, soft copy V3 books when they came out. So I, I don't know how long that is. Probably, uh, what? 2013. Yes. Oh, it's, it's, it's less than five years. Okay. <laughs> wow. I had dabbled previously before then, but I... I was still young and immature and, and playing high street war games, shall we say, uh, <laughs> which uh, has kind of uh, faded away now. But um, I, I've, yeah, been playing. I play mostly Germans, in all honesty, in most, in almost all theatres of the war. So I've got a, a sizable 21st Panzer army um, for Normandy. Uh, 21st Panzer for the desert. <laughs> we sing a theme. <laughs> um, anything wacky and captured. I, I, yeah. I absolutely adore. I think it's um, some of the best stuff that the Germans can put on the field. Aesthetically, I know it's probably usually <laughs> terrible. Well, the best stuff they can get is, wasn't actually theirs. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't love a recycled trench half track with a pack 30, you know, a pack 36 on top and, uh, you know, uh, Lorraine Schleppers with 105 mil guns on? You know, it's just all good. It's all good stuff. Um, but I've also got the the other thing. I, I I seem to have this thing with capture kit, and uh, one of the early war armies I've got is the um, the Australians, which I took to Dak Dak Go. No, Dak Dak Two, wasn't it, Lee? Yeah, Dak Dak Two. 
with the captured French Vichy uh, uh, Renault 35s. My oh. God, they're junk. Oh, God, they're awful. They're I, I, so bad. I was hoping you'd say the captured Italian tanks, just because I... Um, oh, no. I, he wishes he had his captured Italian oh, tanks. Oh, well, I do you know what? I had, them, I had them sat there on the painting desk, and, and it was actually bloody rich from the, the um, Richard from the, the blog um, taught me out of it, because he was like, no, they didn't have them. Didn't use them, they used these. So I went out and found some from Peter Pig, painted them up. They look lovely, by the way. Really, really nice. Really pleased with them. Come on the table. My God, they're just so awfully slow. <laughs> got like a, an 84 gun. It's just junk. So bad. And they just got bullied by everyone. And, you know, unless they're infantry, which they seem to be able to just persecute by running around and machine gunning them. They just <laughs> couldn't do anything. He has to double them to get them anywhere. And oh, just it was just painful. It was good fun, but they haven't, they haven't been out since. <laughs> like a scarred memory that I'll just put in the garage. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of, um, where I am at the moment. Um, what I've, I've been working on recently is mostly Great War stuff. Um, so we published some stuff for the blog recently. Um, looking at the Germans again. Kind of have to have them in the First World War, otherwise it doesn't really happen. And, um, looking at the US again. I want my love of people using other people's equipment. So we've got US troops with, um, <laughs> <laughs> French tanks and French artillery. Uh, that's been quite good fun, actually, but it has been a bit of a culture shock going back to um, the V3 rules. So having unlearned some of the stuff for V4, going back and looking at Great War with V3 and trying to remember stuff how it was is a yeah been a bit of a struggle, to be honest. Um, but that's been good fun. The, the scenarios are really good in that book. I don't know if you've ever played any Great War. Oh, but the, no. uh, I, I, the, the scenarios are strong. Yeah, me and me and Winner dabbled a bit. We did. Um, I think we did basically every mission twice. Mm. Uh, and yeah, it was it was it was good fun. It was very. Yeah, it was a bit of a shock because obviously you, it's not so easy just to run over enemy trenches. Uh, God, funny no. enough, funny enough, it's like trenches were good yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, the um the, the the other thing I've been trying to do is actually wean myself off tanks because you <laughs> kind of want to include them, and then you think, well, there was like twenty or thirty, whatever it was. Uh, yeah, um, they, they literally um, had more captured British tanks. Than, they literally <laughs> had more captured British tanks than their own ones, didn't they? Yeah, pretty much. So, so um, putting two on the table was like you know ten percent of their total force <laughs> on the Western Front. So, um, but it's been it's been a bit of an education actually. I, I was in I, I listened to a lot of podcasts to and from work, and um, uh, one of the ones that got me in, into sort of one to see the period was a, a podcast by. Um, Dan Carlin called Hardcore History. Um, I don't know. You might you might have heard of it. You might not have done it. He does all kinds of weird and wacky things. But he did a whole series. I think it's about thirty odd hours on uh, the First World War. And some of the, the the depth he goes into is just amazing. And just all the stats. And I'd never really thought about it before. And um, going through that movement, you know, the early period of the war where stuff was actually moving and you had free combat and astronomical casualties going into the trench warfare side and then into the kind of breakthrough at the end of the war um but listening to those i must have listened to it two or three times now that whole series and it's just yeah if you have a if you have a long commute or anything like that just buying i think they're like four dollars now or something because it's only the the 10 most recent um podcast he has for free but um it's an amazing series and uh yeah it, it totally inspired me to to look at something i'd never really considered before i always thought First of all, a bit, bit like General Melchett, you know, kind of sweeping troops up on, with a <laughs> yeah. dustpan and dumping them over the edge. But um, it's, it's not quite like that. However, that is a caveat. The last game I did play did end up like that, but that was more down to the fact that I couldn't roll anything above a two for an infantry save. 
which uh, yeah, HMGs just shred. That's um, that's one of the cool things though when you because uh, in the first mission you recycle the platoons, don't you? When you the attacker, that's right. Yeah, 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 and yeah, and it always reminds me when uh, I think I was again playing. Well, no, it was Army Dave, and I was playing with Japanese versus Russians, which obviously in early wars have a similar mechanic. And he yep. couldn't make an infantry save, but I had to kill the same company four times uh, with this Bloody one percent Japanese infantry. Which by the end of the game, were like was a rifle team on the commander, <laughs> and then and then he rolled and they came back again, and it's just like, no guys, we're done. And you just imagine yes. this image of like a thousand bodies around them, like no, no, seriously, I I'm out. My, my, yeah, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't do it again. <laughs> yeah, so that 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 actually, is, I I want to add some more bits to that, but that's gonna get. I think that's gonna get put on the shelf for a bit now. I've got enough paints that I can play with. I think I'm gonna go back to the um the the other the other theatre I like, which is the desert at the moment, and uh, go back to look at the 90s light with the new box set coming out. So yeah, we're we'll having to pick that cool. up soon. Yeah, yeah, more capture kit. <laughs> I've already oh. got some of the Russian guns in the collection already, but um, they're a lot better now. They're a bit. They're okay. I've used. I used them um, previously, uh, integrated into the platoons. But, um, I must admit, I, I saw the box and it put my interest because my first proper Flames or Army I did was uh, Desert Africa Corps, and it was with those captured guns. So uh, there's a bit of nostalgia when I see that box set. I mean the Diane's. He doesn't. How can you not love something that surreal? It's just, <laughs> it's, just, it's just properly bonkers German kit. I can't like get one and put it next to the, the Pack Forty on the two on the two fifty half tracks and sort of see <laughs> sort of see a progression of it getting smaller and more compact like a mobile phone. Yeah, like I've actually thought about it and looked at the layout and gone, hmm, we can tweak this. I just said if it's Germans in in all uh, in all fronts, is it Germans and Team Yankee as well? No, no, I I I, my, I actually fell into Team Yankee by accident. Um, <laughs> I I was <laughs> like any good uh, dealer, the local guy I play with a lot of the flames and stuff with. He he got a British army because he always loved the British, and we we played um, Cold War Commander and oh, yeah. um, Mon Spearhead, and we done it in six mil. So I've got Germans in six mil, but um, he got he was like, I'm getting the British. I'm going to paint them. We're gonna, I'm going to look at them. They're going to look great. And I was like, Well, there's no one to play against. He was like, No, no, no. It's it's, it's fine. I just want to do it for me. I, I've always loved them. They're they're awesome. And then uh, suspiciously, a package arrived at my house, and the package <laughs> contained five T seventy twos. And I was like, What the hell? I haven't ordered these. And I spoke to him later. He was like, Oh yeah, I might have accidentally ordered you some. And it was like <laughs> just that first little taste. It's like you know. Have a look at them. Just have a look. What what harm can happen? You know, uh, and uh, that was it. Now I'm yeah. I've got tons of stupid T72s that are just sat there at the moment, and the BMPs. And I not listen to Mark from the blog. I've got BMP ones and twos. <sighs> I know. So and I've got hails and things that are, I'm yeah a stub up to. But um, I, I just like that kind of. I, I have to say that in the Team Yankee aesthetic, the the Sweeping hordes of Russians appeal to me. I, I do still like the Germans, and I would like to go back to them at some point. Um, looking at maybe a Lurks company or a Light company. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of where I am at the moment. I don't, I don't actually like the flyers. I know that's controversial considering the amount of frog feet that frog feet, frog foots. Frog I don't know what the plural is. What's the plural for a frog foot? Um, frog foot. Yeah. What's the collective noun? 
<laughs> the uh, the cheating of uh, six frog feet um, that that is uh, I understand quite prevalent, but I'm not I'm not a massive fan. I I, I and I don't like the Heinz. I, I think more from a, a perspective of storage and moving was, them around. I was about that. to say uh, the Heinz look amazing, but I remember Adam painted them up for the blog, and he was like, "What the hell do I do with these?" <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, just no idea. I think it, I think it's quite telling when um, what is it uh, Battle Foam do like a tray and I think you can only get two Heinz in the tray. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like and you know and they're good for getting as much as they possibly can in those trays. So uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not I'm not keen on them. But what I am waiting for and and this this is a solid commitment is that when those Swedes drop, I am all over those Swedes. The S tank has got to be the most ludicrous. Just armored flying vehicle that they ever conceived. So um, I'm, yeah, when that drops, Swedes will be my NATO force, I think. When you get down to the S tank, it's basically a jet powered stug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And then you got the what's the um, is it the IK ninety or something like that? The tank destroyer. Yeah. Yeah, so they had a turreted tank destroyer and a untarreted main line main battle tank. I I also I'm also quite interested because was it that that Canadian thing? I can't remember cool. No, yeah, the one that, yeah, obviously. So when, they, when I read that was Swedish, I was like, oh, ooh. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's like, um, we're going to make an air, anti-aircraft. It's great. But oh, sorry, it can take out 900 millimetres and roll to monsters of armour. <laughs> okay, right, fine. It, just in case. You know, it's it, just all planning. Do you reckon it's one of those things where they're going through history and went, you know what was great? Flak 88s. <laughs> yeah, probably. This is, this is like a mobile modern Flak 88s and, you know, just scare the crap out of everyone. Yeah. Uh, do you know if it ain't broke don't fix it <laughs> but they also, the Swedes also got the um, the other thing that I really want them to do and I don't know if they'll do it is the uh, Bander Cannon which was the um, like semi-automatic truck loaded I think it's a 155 or something like that um, but it's got an auto loader on it so you can blast through its payload of shells in like it's like under a minute or something and then it has to go away and reach <laughs> it, um, reload everything but um yeah, I, I think that just that that's going to be awesome, and that kind of um, Scandinavian element. I, I found that quite interesting actually. It was, I, I remember when was it? Um, Adam was talking about the um, late war. Got slightly off tangent, but in World War Two with the um, the Finns. Oh, uh, um, the uh, Lappen Sota campaign. That's it. Yeah, yeah, I found that really interesting as well. So it's a completely different type of um, of terrain and battlefield to to fight over rather than the rolling plains of Germany so I think that will probably that will probably spark me uh, it's also one of the things that surprised me when I was what, listening to because I got the audio book for is it, uh, is it Red Dawn Rising the, the Tom Clancy book where the Soviets invaded Red Dawn Rising yeah and, and it's, it's amazing how much of that is actually based in Scandinavia and, and all that and you think it, it, you realize how, how you know it, it seems quite insignificant in some respects no offence to any Scandinavian listeners uh, but obviously, it's, it's quite rural, and even though, you know, from, knowing from World War Two, fighting above Helsinki was an absolute pain in the arse logistically. But actually, it was also still. But then, obviously, modern war, it came. Some, I guess more easier logistic problems. It comes a lot more important. Well, yeah, I mean, the whole the whole um, restaurant rising is set round is basically all about the North, you know, refighting the North Atlantic campaign against about the Greenland Iceland UK gap, which obviously is where the whole Norway and Iceland aspect comes into it. Mm. Um, yeah, but I, I'd love for um, 
Battlefront to like sort of do a northern theatre book with like say the Norwegians, British Royal Marines, and Dutch oh, Royal Marines, awesome. Finns, Swedes, and yeah. fighting over f- f- fighting over Iceland and Norway, and just trying to keep their um the sort of the gap open so they, they, all the Russian submarines can be dealt with and that kind of thing. Oh, that was going to ask Lee. Do you think that they the, the Soviets would put specialised troops out there? You know, would it, um, would it look it, and feel different? Don't quote me, but I think it was always. Um, it could be the likes of Army Group North, which had the MTLB APC, but also the likes of Naval Infantry, you know, um, with basically carrying a lot of specialist gear, like basically T-55s or reactive armor, that kind of thing. And also probably the, VD, um, the VDV would be doing a lot of trying to take up Norwegian airfields, that kind of thing. So it's, 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 it's certainly not your normal the same forces as you've got, apart from the VV, as you've got on the um, Central Front, that kind of thing, I believe, I'd say. Oh. That would be quite cool, then. Just up on it. And, yeah, and slightly different. Sorry, can't wait. I was going to say, I think that'd be, that'd be quite cool, though, from the point of give the Soviets some really new stuff, which I think yeah. they kind of could do with. But also, a lot of the Allied tanks, by the Swedes, like uh, the Finns and Norwegians, they're just using normal NATO tanks, aren't they? Like, uh, leopards I think and... the Finns are using Soviet kit. A lot of the Finns stuff... I know these oh. days are still using T-72s and the like. There, there was, there's, I think I did some research on this when Team Yankee was about to come out. I, I, know, I think it was in the 80s they, swip, they swap, started swapping over to NATO equipment. Right. Um, because obviously they, they were made basically to buy Russian equipment after the war. As kind <laughs> of, uh, you know, we didn't technically conquer you. Uh, <laughs> kind of we still could if we wanted to, yeah. Yeah, so um, <laughs> how about you be nice to us and, you know, you buy our equipment and stuff. Um, yeah, because you're right, they do that if you have T-72s. I, I think it's... I think are they got leopard twos now? I think so. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. yeah the Norwegians right. have. They've yeah, got leopards, haven't they? So, um, so, but obviously, most of the models exist now. It's just the infantry and the support equipment. So yeah, basically. Probably a bit like the uh, Free Nations book. It'd be probably quite a easy book to do from a production point of view. I just want them to do an F-16 model. That's all I want for aircraft. <laughs> Get the F-16 in the game. <laughs> um, all right, Lee, your gaming background. Yeah, so um, I've been gaming since getting into Space Crusade all the way back in 91. So my background's coming in via Games Workshop, like a lot of um, Flames War players. Um, so played 40k up until about the 2000s. Started getting a bit dis- disenchanted the whole game. And it so happened a friend of mine was looking at going into Flames of War back when it's version 1. So I picked up... Yeah, exactly. So I picked up the first Desert Rats book... Um, because I was always interested in Free RTL, which is my dad's regiment in World War Two. Um, obviously, he wasn't in World War Two just before I hastened that. So, huge age gap otherwise. And so, yeah, I got I, I got onto um, Flames of War, and, and basically, I said, "Why don't I play?" And it's, at that point, 40k largely died to me. I just started really concentrating on trying to get Flames of War set up in Brighton. Um, so, there's a couple of other chaps who are also doing that in the, the other two groups in Brighton. Um, but I managed to flip quite a few of the 40k players over the flames. We got a decent community going. Um, and these days, I'm largely playing Team Yankee. Um, make I really, really like the idea of doing 80s kits, that kind of thing. So I grew up in um, West Germany. Well, say, certainly the first four, four or five years of my life is spent around chieftain tanks and that kind of thing. So having little plastic chieftains was, was great. Except for I still haven't done a British Army because we need Warsaw Pat players. So I'm mostly playing East Germans. <laughs> yeah, it, it does seem to be one of the smaller issues. I wouldn't say issues of the game, but it does seem a bit like Vietnam when I was playing that. It's uh, 
very easy to get to find the people who want to play free the free peoples. Yeah, they got all the cool toys. Yeah, but uh, sometimes getting the people to paint the hordes can be a bit more awkward. Yeah, I mean, it's, like I say, there's enough cool kit in the Soviet force. It's just like I say, it's just very so um, intimidating. That models you got to paint. Oh, yeah. Even, even <laughs> if you go T64s and just burn your points, you're still looking at having about you know, 12 T64s to get through. Whereas a Western player's got four t- leopards and it's like leopard twos. And it's just a, yeah. Yeah. I, like it. I, I enjoy playing them. They're fun. That's cool. That's cool. Okay, and obviously you do you run. You, probably should have called it, asked this before we started. Are you still doing the like Go Dat Go events or? Uh, so we took a bit of a hiatus whilst because um, I had kids recently, so um, just try and get back into wargaming again properly. So I'm probably looking at doing a Team Yankee event, possibly in January, and maybe a smaller event in October to get things rolling. But it's, um, yeah, we took we took a bit of a break from doing Flames of War events because most of the Brighton communities can't and playing agents now at the moment yes yes I've, uh, I've, I've had the messages from Chris yeah, <laughs> yeah look, Chris has done a sterling job getting the whole Meg thing going in Brighton uh, at the expense of Flames of War largely so but I'm trying to get the Team Yankee guys going so we've got a small small bunch about four or five Team Yankee players and now I've got some time again I'm going to try and push it a bit more and get so we can get a few other people flipped over especially with the French out yes oh so, they look so nice they do. I, I just fear I'm going to do them. It's, they're going to be like everyone's going to be doing them, and I'm I, I'm going to want to be cool and do something else. French are the new Brits. French. <laughs> okay. What's that sound in the background? Is, is is that Ben falling off the wagon again? Does ben just want to clarify what the background yes. is. Just yeah. getting dragged behind. You go no. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, okay, well I guess on that, so I'll, I'll talk about what I'm doing, shall I? Uh, obviously, any new listeners, because I don't know how many people are actually still around, at least since the old one. Um, so, hi, I'm Ben. I'm I'm an addict. Um, <laughs> very much so. Uh, much like much like Lee, and I think pretty most most people, I I did my time. I went through Games Workshop to get here. I actually worked for the company for five years. Uh, back back when it was nice and not one man shops. Yeah, the good old days. One man shops. Yeah, I couldn't think of anything worse. I, think, I, I could see that was happening. I'm like, I, I, I need people to talk to. I'm going to go crazy. Get me out. Um, yeah, then obviously, uh, Bill, okay, most of the people got disenfranchised. Um, and a bit like yourself, Duncan, took me a couple of attempts to actually get into Flames. Uh, I think it was on my third, second proper attempt, third technical attempt, in that, in that I'd bought some models, I'd sprayed them up, and then they sat on a shelf for a year and a half. Um, <laughs> kind of attempt. Uh, I finally finally cracked it, and, it was, and then um, but it was really actually when my daughter was born. Um, I just had so much time on my hands because when you got one kid, they're quite boring. They just... Yeah, they don't do much for the first two years. To be no. honest, they they eat and cry. Exactly. Sleep. So um, so yeah, so that's that's when I got really into flames. That's when I started Breakthrough Assault to kind of give me something to focus on more as a you know um, I'd say I could be a bit of a fickle painter. And I, I'm someone who definitely uses like deadlines to paint to. That really kind of gets me focused. So if there's like an event or something. So I did the bloggers and like if I haven't updated like at least once a week, I can't buy anything new. Um, so that's kind of where it started. And yeah, I, I did kind of, I, I kind of got a bit burnt out. So I've, I've had a bit of a break, but I'm now massively enjoying it. I've come since I've come back as 
You see I've got the poster for my British infantry for the desert. So a tank, sorry. I've got British infantry sprayed up, ready to go. And I'm currently building Italian tanks for an early war army. And I've got some Soviets for when they get redone. Yeah. Fall <laughs> off the wagon. I am <laughs> Oh, it's it, it. It makes sense in my head because my Brits are very mid-war, and that's part of yeah. the reason I picked up the Italians. Is the Italians? It's they, the between the difference between early war and mid-war is coastal guns, and I think that's about it. <laughs> really, their equipment does not really upgrade. So, um, you know, my twenty-one M M thirteen forty will be for mid-war for early war, which you can get in a list, which I didn't realise, and it's quite scary. Um, just quite easy to transfer over. It's got to add a couple of platoons, actually. Um, so, yeah, and I, and I kind of wanted to have an allied and Axis army for the desert because the desert looks cool. And I never really did the desert properly last time. Um, desert War is what got me into Flames of War, definitely. It, it just looks cool. And it's just such, <coughs> so different. As you, like, you talk about the, the, the you know, fighting in the north of Finland being very different. Fighting in the sands is very different from what we see in Europe. Because... Yeah, you know, and 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 the, and the problems they had that are unique to the desert. Uh, I, I like I kind of like that. Um, so I'm still deciding which team Yankee force I'm going to go for. The, the the French are currently in the in the lead, but I had a very 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 boring night shift last night, and I went through all the books and made about 25 lists for different armies. Um, basically, trying to work out uh, what what deal I can get the best from the expo next weekend. The uh, UK Games Expo because their Battlefront's got a, uh, a bit of a sale on. That's there, so I'm like, ooh. And the current clubhouse leader, if I was to do something else, would be a Humvee army. Because Marines, cool. yeah, they look cool. How many toes is that, Lee? Something it's, obscene, isn't it? It's it's basically enough for the Wraith. Wraith human had a very good year in terms of shareholder dividend that year, but I mean, it was uh, it's twelve. I think. it's 12 toes in the actual formation plus you generally pair it up then with um, an American airborne um, formation which has another 8 uh, toes in it then you've got all the dragon missiles on the infantry <laughs> so yeah it's like you're saying all that, as I joked all that's made by Raytheon at the time so it's all, it would have been a very good year for Raytheon <laughs> but um, yeah it's they're a lot they're really cheap they're so cheap though aren't they? The, yeah, the Humvee, I they, think when we looked at the book the first time around the Humvees just full formation is 19 points <laughs> it's 150 quid to basically get that 25 points I say it's, it's the worst pound to point ratio in the game but, but it's so awesome but that's when I'm looking at getting the um, the, M, the M60 box set which comes yeah. in and then oh you get, definitely best way to do it yeah you get 12 of them you get 24 Humvees which I think it works doesn't works out to be like a, have a couple of odd, odd ones but then you obviously got the observer ones yeah. anyway for that and uh, yeah, and Marines are kind of cool. I don't. Know. I, I don't. I mean, the problem is, I, I'm kind of building lists, and I've no idea. Well, I have a vague idea how the game works, but I know, like, my I've had me and Adam had a game the other day, and I'm like, man, my leader sucks. I've made some really bad choices with this, but oh well, I still beat him one of the games, so it's fine. That's it. I think the Marines in in. Um, Germany, didn't they have the huge hovercrafts? Was that the Russian ones? That's the Russian, Russian ones. Yeah. 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 Americans have LCACs, which are big enough to carry um, 
one, maybe two Abrams. So they're quite big. They're bigger than anything we've got yeah. on the Griffin hovercrafts. And then the Russians bring in hovercrafts that have, like, literal artillery pieces mounted to them and surface-to-air missiles and that yeah. kind of thing. The size of one of our destroyers, basically. It's just like, they're big. Yeah. Well, you know, if they're going to do it... Do it properly. <laughs> no kill like overkill. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. As a friend of mine used to say, overkill's made up of two words, of which only one of them is important. <laughs> I like that. It's good. But uh, but yeah, just quickly though, I'll see get kind of really getting to uh, version four properly. There's um, there's quite a few things I was actually didn't think I'd like, but actually really did like. Uh, one of them being the the actual unit cards. Yeah. Um, not having to flick through a book, especially with ev- everything that's got such different stats from each other. So you know, it's not like in version three. That's a, that's a standard tank. I know exactly. I don't, I don't even look in the book now. Yeah. I just know that's a standard tank. The fact that there's like uh, there's subtle differences in the movements and everything, uh, and I'm sure I'll, 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 I'm sure once I've played long enough, I'll, I'll work out what what something is, and that makes sense. What a standard tank effectively does move in uh, version four. But when Adam was having to use the books, he didn't because of his armies existing. It was a lot quicker for just to pick up the card and go. That's what it does. And they don't really get in the way because you don't need that many. I was, I was quite surprised, especially when I got all of them out of the boxes. You know, I opened up all my boxes and I had something like fifty cards. I'm like, this is just going to be ridiculous. But actually, um, yeah, that was um, a pleasant surprise. The uh, the game's also incredibly fast now. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it takes the thing I always struggle with slightly is the the four different um, the four different values you got for like remount morale. Cross and um, I can't remember what the other one is now off the top of my head, but um, is it oh, skill or something, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and just skill. remembering. Go yeah. skill. But yeah, the good, that's, where, that's where the cards are obviously quite useful. Whereas uh, yeah. I'm sure if you're playing like the uh, late war or early war, obviously it's the same. You know, you just go there fearless, and you know, and, and unless they're, unless they're um, protected ammo or something, it's basically the same. But yeah, but we're having all these different things. And I quite like that as well from the point of view of... Um, I know it's been the same with Team Yankee for a while. But being able to go... Well, these guys are like are kind of average at doing stuff. But like in combat, they're really good. They've been trained how to do combat. And just being able to give them a little buff in that respect. Or these guys are really skillful at like do- dodging around and digging holes. But don't ask them to fight in combat. They suck. I think uh, version, four, version 4 did a much better job of splitting those stats. Whereas yeah, Team Yankee... Yeah. Still, was, it was a bit more conservative. It didn't really split stats. Free Nations does that a lot more, actually. It's interesting to see it's a bit more t- like version 4 in that the units... The skill skill is a lot less related to assault, for example, that kind of thing. I, yeah. I, I wonder about them kind of learning and oh, definitely, pu- yeah. pushing, pushing the boundaries, because obviously Team Yankee kind of was... I don't want to say the beta for version 4, but obviously it's the... It's definitely they were yeah. going. Yeah. Um, and I think probably now they've played it long enough, they they kind of know they can push it, and maybe when Team Yankee eventually gets redone, uh, which probably wouldn't be for a while, but they'll look to then kind of push it further further again. Yeah, I think so. I, think I would, but uh, I, as I always say, I'd be shocked if there's, you know, version 4 and Team Yankee don't merge, like, say, very soon, so... The, um, I'd say very soon, in, like, a year or two, maybe, but... The, I would say there are a lot of things that are exactly the same. I mean, the game still, it still feels like the same game, but planes still are either amazing or awful. Yeah, yep. <laughs> got it's just a lot harder shooting down there. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. But when you do, the, the, the keeping them away. If you can get lucky on those dice and actually you manage to get rid of one of them, if they're coming in pairs and things, then it does make a big difference. Whereas before, you know, version three, they just turned up all the time. 
I mean, I always just love in version three having like a, a sporadic, <laughs> sporadic, my sporadic uh, Russian biplane in early war, mid war. Um, just, just turn. You know, if, if it did something amazing, you know, in, in one game it did kill a, a tiger. At which point it's like, yeah, you've basically made your points for the next like three games. Um, but normally it was just the threat of it was enough. Uh, obviously now it's a bit different because the, the, the nurse that got bombs and not putting the template down. Um, I don't think I. No, you're just shooting cannons. You're just shooting cannons, aren't you? Yeah. Please, please tell me. Please tell me I'm not playing that wrong. Um, <laughs> that was and that was the funniest thing. The amount of basic rules me and Adam were looking up just to make sure they hadn't changed. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's it's like let's just check we have got how to shoot right because you never know. Oh yeah, I mean the whole hit allocation is completely different. That kind of thing. Mm. So. But, yeah. I, I kind of like the way the hit allocation works. It's left, I always hate the thing. Thing I hate about uh, version 3 was and the earlier versions was just how complex hit allocation is when you do it properly yes. when it's playing casually you don't really notice but when you're playing like when I'm playing with Skip and the like and, I was tra- and we're trading him we're doing a, a practice game before he goes off to a tournament so I'm playing the rules properly I just find the whole hit allocation thing so frustrating because well, I'm going to shoot that guy ah well you can't you got to allocate hit here blah 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 and it, will, it just got bogged down whereas with new way of just well I'm going to put the here here I'm going to shift it it, yep. it, it just works a bit better. I'll be a bit slower if you really start, you know, really getting down to it. But I think most people will get through it quicker than the old system. I was going to say, the one thing I was going to say about the planes is I found them, like you said, very hit and miss. So we've actually found that we, we take them less frequently. Mm. So you, you don't now think, oh, I've got well, like 100 points left in my list or whatever it is. I've got a round number of platoons. I'll just throw in some air. Um the the AA definitely in the desert when I've been playing with my Germans with their you know half track mounted twenty mils, God, um, you certainly feel it when that hurricane comes in and actually makes a dent in something. It um, it's very unpleasant. You, you see, I I got I came into World War Two because of a love for a love of planes, so I, I there's always I'm always trying to squeeze them in if possible, you know. But uh, but yeah. But yeah, it's, it's fine. I'm sure. I'm, I'm, I'm sure, and I've played, got a few more games in. Oh, one other thing to say: uh, put the new, what's it, um, carriers together today. That is a really nice kit. It, it may, I, I was not looking forward to those, and they go together so easily. It's one of those ones I always, yeah. If I ever get back in the flames, I want to buy a couple of boxes of those. My my carriers took a beating over the years through replacements. Yeah. Or the resin ones with the, yeah. the metal rings on the top. And then inevitably the resin's really thin, so if you drop them, it always shatters there, so you try hiding behind camo net and that kind of thing. They like, do um, sterling service, but they're beat up. Are they uh, nine in a box now? Yeah. Is it nine in a box? Yeah. Nine for, I think, £20 recommended retail? It's really good value, yeah. yeah. Uh, and they're future-proof them, because they've got the wasp attachments on them. So you've got the wasp bits, you've got the heavy machine gun option as well. Uh, and and okay, you've got, yep. you got the boys and just the normal version. So I've, I, I think I've only, I don't think I'm ever going to need three platoons. So I did three of them up with boys and tank rifles for early war. Because obviously oh, yeah. in early war, boys are pretty good. Because turns out 84 is pretty good when the best armor is about one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's um, yeah, re- really nice box there. I was I say it's one of those things I kind of bought because you kind of feel like Brits, you need them. And then I, but. I, I did the churches at the same time. The churches were nice enough, but he, um, 
you know, not bad, not not didn't blow me away, but it was a nice kit. But the the Crusader, so the carriers were really just go together so easily, lovely, and got so many options. I was yeah, looking forward. To, I'm actually quite looking. I'm probably gonna do them next now. I'm quite looking forward to them. But um, anyway, proper. Should we get onto a proper subject? A proper meaty topic. Now, this is something Duncan brought to our attention. Well, I'm going to blame the internet. <laughs> okay, always, always good policy. Always blame yeah. the internet. Um, yeah, we were, we, it was all around um, the, the kind of current hubbub. I don't think we need to name any names, but uh, around a, uh, the provision of terrain in games and, uh, and how little or much or the quality of has an influence on the uh, whole experience. I think um, it was something that I've, I've been thinking about for as part of uh, Project Great War was actually um, looking at some of the uh, options from Battlefront, um, the pre-painted stuff, and then maybe enhancing that further or tweaking it in some way to make it um, a bit more varied, I guess. And I think mm-hmm. it's something that um, certainly whenever I've spoken to Lee and we've, we've been down doing the, the tournament stand in Brighton, train plays such a, a big part in the I think the culture that we've got within that that gaming uh, group. Yeah. And certainly with the guys that I play with on a, on a regular Friday night, um, that the the quality and quantity of terrain is is very very obvious. I think it's something we we've taken a long time building up, and I know that you put a lot of effort in the into building all the desert terrain, yeah, um, and creating a way that, that I think enhances gameplay and gives you tactical decisions to make. So I think yeah. we're just going to talk around just generally terrain, yeah. So just just getting some polystyrene and cutting into some rough shapes isn't good enough. No, 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 no. no. no I don't. I, I, I do. Actually, I've read some different things actually now after the initial um, outpouring, and it, it seems that some people were saying that actually, uh, as, from a practical sense, the terrain did a, a good job in terms of blocking line of sight, and that was something I think that is important. Again, within the 15 mil and um, Flames games we played, that line of sight is such a big critical factor. Yeah. Um, but just looking at it made me sad. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to spend hours of my life looking at that. No. I, I, I know that sounds really pretentious. Probably, you know, put my uh, no. my wargaming snob hat on, but just yeah. And it's just that whole thing of oh, we made each of the tables identical, so you know everyone oh, has the same challenge. Cool. It's like no, the whole point of wargaming is the terrain is a variable the general has to overcome. It's like sometimes yep. as long as you haven't got a billiard table, because I know, I know if we've all played in tournaments, where there's always one. It's always or you always go ah, I really wish I bought the infantry today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think you've got to look at the table and say, okay, well, this is what I've got to do. This is what my opponent's probably going to do. It's, you know, if each time you're looking, well, here's the same L shape, and here's the L shape, and here's a little hill, pir- ziggurat hill kind of thing, it's just like. Do you not think it takes away two- from the armor design as well? Like, uh, looking at that, I was like, if every board's the same, then yeah, my armor's going to perform the same. Like, exactly, there's no, yeah. no yeah. challenge to what I've brought to the table. You, you you definitely it definitely changes the meta itself as if if the chain, train never changes and you know exactly what's going to be some armies will have an advantage a inherent advantage for whatever reason like um take 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 flames if you know there's only going to be like two bits of like um kind of wheat field type terrain, wheat field type terrain, yeah. then like ger- the German ability to shoot and scoot potentially is going to be better worse or not so that does that you know does that mean yeah. Well, you start going lots of long-range yeah. guns and just start going for like yeah. a, you know, a, you know, a artillery duel, basically. Now, it, it's funny you say about the billiard table. It reminds me of like, the first big tournament I ever went to, which was the Welsh Open 2012 or 13? For 12. 
And I took um, I took a Churchill company, British Churchill company, uh, it's mid-war, and there's this guy, and he brought an 18-foot-long board. And it looks really good as a, as a thing. And also yeah. went along and divided it into threes. The yeah. middle section was really lacking in terrain, which you didn't quite realise until you set up on it. <laughs> uh, and basically had a hill in the middle, and we played surrounded. And I was I was fortunate enough to defend, which normally you think quite bad, especially in a billiard table. The only reason I won that game is because my opponent had lees and couldn't physically hurt me. <laughs> uh, and I basically just stood there machine gunning down these lees as they slowly came, slowly advanced. Uh, didn't really make a fun game. There was nothing my opponent, nothing tactical my opponent could do. Because basically he either stood back and lost, or he ran forward and lost. Yeah. And running forward and lost at least puts A, put me under a little bit of pressure, but also B, meant we got to go to the bar quicker. It's always a valid consideration. <laughs> yeah. But but no, train. I, I think we spend... And you say about the gaming snob, Duncan, I disagree. If we, if, you know, we spend hundreds of pounds on models. Why then not spend hundreds of pounds making the board look nice, rather than having these lovely models that you spend all this time and effort painting... And then put them on like a you know some polystyrene like flat cut out thing that you get yeah. that's a wood that's a wood. And the thing is, you don't even have to spend hundreds of pounds. I mean, you have to, you're trading, sorry, you're trading either time for money. Um, so you know you can build such really nice terrain with very little effort and very little materials, especially even the basics like hills, hedges, woods. I mean, it's all stuff that you can do very really, very easily and get. And get a tremendous amount of um, benefit out of it for very little effort and very little cost. Mm. And that's saying someone that's built like you know sixty-four foot of hedge lines net for terrain. So. I, 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 <laughs> I always love the pictures you put up when you're making terrain for a tournament, and you just see like your kitchen table and the lounge of all the stuff drying. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot harder now with kids. So I have to worry about when the kids yeah. ending up with a highway stuck to their face or something. <laughs> <laughs> I also think we're spoiled. Like we, we, I know other people have talked about like sort of this golden age of, of gaming, but you got like pre-painted um, MDF buildings now. Yeah, so you, you just have to glue them together. Stuff. I mean, it's it's not as you know. Looking back now, when um, I probably was most active playing um, like ten years ago, the, the prevalence of terrain was if you wanted something that was pre-done it was really really costly but I don't mm. think that's the case now I think even even like you said Lee like making it yourself is, is still probably the avenue that's going to give you the most variety but if you look at the other options available to you I mean even the, even the battlefront stuff I think we, we looked at the making the tarmac roads for Team Yankee it's just what's the point like the, the tarmac roads from the, the, the battlefront make are pretty bloody good just they are good, yeah yeah um, it's got a lot of MDS stored away so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, depending on your access to what is it, foam and MDF is pretty much what you need most so, of the time. A, a good foam cutter and a jigsaw is all you, and a rasp, uh, and a rasp um, file. If you got those three things, you're pretty much laughing. So. But, but as you say, yeah, there's, there's plenty of companies that do it. I mean, you know, foreground their, their terrain yep. now. I mean, some of it is a pain to put together because it's so yep. intricate and because it's so nice. But between them, you say you got you know, uh, Gale Force Nine Battlefront, you know, their stuff. If you haven't got the time, it's not hard to just, you know, pick up this stuff, as you say, and just put it together. I mean, the foreground stuff can take a while. That's probably the probably the next step. That's kind of like the middle ground, in my opinion, because although you don't have to paint it, it's still, can, it's still quite a quite a project. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, if, if, you, if you haven't got the time, there's, as you say, there's more than enough companies to do some really affordable terrain. 
and as you said, like years ago, it used to be ridiculously expensive. The price you pay for like um, a battlefront house is roughly what it used to cost to buy a resin house unpainted. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's... Well, they did that subscription deal as well, didn't they? Where you could mm. buy all the buildings in one fell swoop. And I think at the, cl- well, the club I go to, we did that on two occasions. And we just said, look, we're going we're gonna to use some of the club funds and we're going to buy this stuff and it's going to be around forever. And as long as you look after it, I mean... Yeah, my club will have Titan said by myself, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> drop some cash on it. But I think the other, that's the other thing you're talking about, the MDF cutting, like the, the, the CAD and laser cut stuff now is just light years ahead of what it was even mm. two, three years ago. Um, some of the stuff you see is just bonkers. Like, it's not mega I'll tell you what, computer-aided design is one of the biggest boons for wargaming in terms of both, like say, terrain, and also making plastic models. I mean, all these nice t- tank kits we get from Battlefront and yep. Plastic Soldier, because you can do all the CAD sculpting now. And you look at some of the stuff Games Workshop are putting out and some of the plastic kits they do, and yeah. how much they pack on a sprue. It's just like... If someone who's getting back into Games Workshop to a small degree with doing Necromunda and stuff, it's like... The modern plastics, I look at it goes, my God, where was this 15 years ago? It's like... <laughs> and, and that's the thing, especially, like, you know, you, like I'm the um, M, M14s I'm putting together now, see, the fact that with the CAD design, they've made it so you can make the other, the, what's it, the assembly thing yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, you see, there's so many, like, Games Workshop's famous now, pretty much, for going, every plastic box, it does two things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, that's partly because of CAD design, making it easier. Sometimes they're lazy, not that Necron thing, which is basically the other thing, but turned upside down. But yeah, well, so. yeah, okay. there's always, you know, there's always you know, a day where you're like, let's just mail it in. It's easy. It's I've, I've got ten minutes on your closest. There we yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> but but so yeah, it's, the CAD design has yeah, it really has re- revolutionised. And and I, I were talking before we came on. Uh, a friend of mine tried to get into the Batman game, but they were playing on just 40k terrain, and it didn't look good. <clears> that's you know, gaming snob maybe you could say, but I want the stuff to look good, especially a game like that's a skirmish game because really once you painted up your ten guys, which wouldn't take long potentially, what left it? What is there left to do? Yeah, I think it's one of those things with terrain where um, if you you generally within a, a, a group of people that are playing, someone who's interested more in terrain, and, it, and it's usually the other people's job to channel that energy into, um, you know, getting a, a playable surface knocked out. But I think it's also, the, it's weird. Wargamers are a weird, a weird um, sort of subspecies in that, that, that we don't really like to spend money on things that aren't toys. Yeah, no, I've, I'm... Hey, hey, strange. some wargamers don't want to spend money on toys. Well, <laughs> this is also true. Uh, I, I must admit, I'm putting off buying a carry case at the moment. I know I really need it. Because <laughs> yeah, it's not toys. <laughs> Just dropping money on that, you're like, oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, and but the other thing, going to thinking about terrain as a general, though, the thing I've I learned coming to Flames of War from other games is in Flames of War the boards also make sense, and that's because of, and the terrain. You, know, you, I remember my foreground buildings, I built little gardens for them, yeah, um, just to make just to that have that slight element of realism, uh, kind of. And I always like to go for that kind of middle ground of like scenic boards look great, crack to play on generally. Uh, yeah, then you've got, you got like generic gaming boards which don't tend to look good but are very easy to play on. I, I always like to go somewhere in the middle. 
Yep. So I'd, I always have a few things or like centerpieces to kind of make the board look a bit more interesting, but everything was quite gamer friendly. But um, but yeah, but you know, you look at a Flames of War board and it shouldn't you know, make sense. You have a village. You don't just have random buildings at random angles scattered around the. Or road goes nowhere. It just yeah. yeah. It's... Yeah, you know, and you have got like you know, like, and some some I remember one forty k board. I remember looking at it, going, "Well, the only way that building can exist is if that building was literally built inside of the other building." <laughs> and it's like, well, it's like, okay, it probably happened <laughs> potentially, yeah, or you know, whatever. But it's like you know, you look at a flames board. It's like you know, yeah, you got your village there. Like you know, there's a lake, there's a lake by it because that makes sense. You got the roads, the road systems, not just randomly put down. It, you know it. Uh, some of the Team Yankee ones. I was looking at the Russian. Uh, was it the Russian Grand Tournament? Oh yes, and the boards out of that were lovely. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. And and I, I got some ideas from it of using like the the these was it the um, curved pieces from the Team Yankee uh, roads to make a yeah. roundabout. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just like that's just ingenious. I mean, there's a, I immediately when I now want to make like get get those roads and then build like a centerpiece for the roundabout. Because <laughs> that's the way my brain works, unfortunately. That's <laughs> like a really good idea. Little flower bed, yeah. Yeah, like a little flower bed, or like a statue, or something. Something just to, you know, for to make to make the roundabout you know, feel more alive. You know, more like is that you know, it's, it's that stuff I've, I've always liked with the terrain. I mean, yes, I know it's not it's taking time away from these toy soldiers, but if you think about it, let's say you did a new forty, a new forty, a new Flames of War, late war army a year. Let's just say random. You do one a year. And you you know you do your Brits, then you do your Germans, then you do your Americans, then you do your Soviets. Well, the train works for all of those. So you spend all that time yep. doing the train once, and you're done. You don't need necessarily need to do it. You know, like I'm doing desert. That's going to do desert early war, desert mid war potentially. One option I'll be looking at for Team Yankee, desert in the desert, and I can use the Average same train. Ready war, yeah. It, it ready war, yeah. 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 Once you've done it, just if you set if you're sensible, you can make the most of it. Yeah, indeed. Uh, do better terrain, people. Don't just cut out <laughs> cut out bits of polystyrene. I think is what I'm I'm getting at. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I, I yeah. I, I, everyone I, I ever I ever got into Flames of War said it was partly the tables that got them into it. Mm. Yeah, uh, and that mainly came out of me having to play Flames of War originally using the club's terrain, which is 28 millimeter, you know, 40k <laughs> in Warhammer stuff, and hating it and saying oh, I'm going to build myself a decent table. And I had said, I'm doing a tournament, I bet more myself eight decent tables. Oh, I'm doing a bigger tournament, I bet do 16 decent tables. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it gets crazy. When you start I, getting lazy and doing snow tables just by throwing a sheet over it and going, yeah, snow table, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you Don't make that mistake of making Ardennes terrain. <laughs> well, yeah. I- it was, it's fine. Just just base it on the movie, uh, and then then you then you just need to get like spray sprinkle bits of white over the board, and you're done. <laughs> yeah, you don't want deep snow drift. <laughs> I always wanted to do as one of those ideas. If I had more money than sense, was to oh. do about about two Battle of the Bulge armies, but based on the Battle of the Bulge movie. So using Persian tanks as standing for Panthers and Chaffees as for Shermans um, and stuff like that. What's it? Uh, Roger Whittam did that. Did he? Oh, yeah, he, he posted up on the uh, on the old, on the old, on the old yeah. He did post up on the old forum. He went, "I've done an hour and a half of research on this army. <laughs> um, all grey, obviously, all painted pans are grey as well because yeah, apparently that's they what were at that point. Hollywood does, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, mm. yeah. It's uh, <laughs> such a bad movie, such a bad movie. 
And that's one of those movies, I remember watching it as a kid being really impressed. And then now being an adult going, oh dear God, why? Yeah, it's, that's yeah, like, the research. That's like going <laughs> yeah. back and watching Top Gun and realising there's a lot less flying in this movie than I remember. <laughs> a, lot, a lot more topless volleyball. Yeah, so, yes. yeah but, but Top Gun's still a good movie, so it's fine. Oh, uh, is it? Oh, debatable. Well, well, I, I, I will be honest. I do really want the Archer Top Gun movie to come out. Like they did that little. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the entire film. Yes. Just did the whole thing. I didn't care. Just yeah. I love. I love that little advert they did. Well, yeah. I was just thinking that you know when we were talking about um like the the, the boards and stuff. I I seen a couple of amazing boards that were more like dioramas. Um. So there was the Stalingrad one, and then someone I think also makes. Is it the Reichstag? In fifteen mil. Yes, I've seen yeah. one. So oh, that yeah. just amazing piece, amazing piece of like engineering looks fantastic on the board. How what the hell are you going to play on it with? Jeez, I mean, you know, the, thing me la- the thing that makes me laugh on that, the thing that I, I picked up from version four was the whole if it's, if if any piece of short or tall terrains under the template add plus one. I remember turning around <laughs> to Nathan and saying, "So when we're playing on our boards, we just automatically add plus one because I don't see when that's never going to come up." <laughs> <laughs> the, um, is, yeah. Something like the right stag, though. I mean, if you're looking for like a generic gaming piece, it's probably not the good thing to buy. But if you're doing like a campaign with a friend or something, and you know the final mission is to say you're storming the right stag, or even just fighting outside the right stag, that I think that kind of works. But it, 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 that's where for me, terrain sometimes does have that kind of caveat of is this for like a tournament thing? And yeah. I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm not saying you know Ooh, tournament gamer. Ooh. Um, or is this more of like casual stuff? So like um, one of uh, one of my friends, he bought some company was doing the Pegasus Bridge. Yeah. Uh, and we did some missions on it. It was really cool. Quite impractical for non Pegasus Bridge themed games though. That kind of makes it's sense. A big old it is. But when we did a few like you know glider assault missions on it, it was you know and we kind of made some themed themed armies. Although we obviously needed you because we didn't have the proper twenty uh, first Panzer crappy stuff. <laughs> but um but yeah no, it was you know it was then it works and but that's again actually going back to an earlier conversation that was we had conversations before we played on it you know we would talk right we're going to do this kind of mission i'm going to bring this what are you bringing you know let's or is there a mission from a book we can use yeah i think yeah. there's definitely a social contract when you're you you yeah, playing with something like that. I was thinking, you know, even if uh, actually it got me thinking just then on on the right side, if you had something like a a, um, a narrative campaign weekend or something like that, where mm. you know um, it's constantly being fought over or something like that, it would be absolutely amazing to be part of that. But I think you've got to buy into something like that early as as a participant because it's not going to give you a, a quote unquote fair game. It's gonna it's gonna be wonky no. one way or the other. Um, it, it's um. I think Hammy for not Hammy, uh, Hammy and Nobby for Core Ivory, <clears throat> uh, one of the well, at least was one of the bigger tournaments in the country. I think it is the biggest tournament, or was annually. Um, they would have some funky boards like that. They would have like a Stalingrad board where, yeah. you know, half the roads are actually rubble. But to get around that, you would you were able to have like two lists. And I think, like, depending on the points value, but let's say it was 1750, like, 1,200 points of that list has to stay the same. But you could swap your list around. So, that, yeah, and, and, you know, they say, look, we've got these kind of boards, we've got this to worry about. We might be playing, like, this extra mission from, like, this other, from a random book. 
Um, so you got you got to be able to cope with this. So like you know you might want to bring some pioneers to be able to clear lots of minefields and barbed wire and that kind of thing. But they were very open and honest, and you know they gave you the options to get around it. And and also they would look at a board like that and go right playing. Let's say um, come what it's called now is it sur- well let's say surrounded. I don't know what's the technical name for it anymore. And you're know, having like a right stag in the middle of the board is probably unfair on the attacker. So let's make it uh, dust up, or let's make it you know something that the although it's cool and it's in the middle and it, it affects both players equally, or at least the best they can. Obviously, without knowing yeah. what army this everyone's got, because obviously if you've got a tank army and you've got the right stag on the other table, you're probably at a disadvantage. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's one of yeah, definitely one of those things. I mean, I, I'm I think we're all on the same page here in terms of the amount of terrain. Like more is more. I think I think <laughs> having a, a good quantity. I mean, I think it was was it uh, in one of the rule books where it was like a third of the board. I can't remember yeah. now, but it used to be a, a rule, didn't they? You put all your terrain out. If it covered a third of the board, then you could sort of spread it out. But it covered a decent amount of um, decent amount of the board surface, and, and generally gave you a good game. And I, th- I think that's yeah. also where, like, and it, obviously all of that doesn't have to block line of sight. So that's where you can have, like, the desert boards where some of it's just, like, you know, um, like, rough rough ground or, like, um, although you probably, probably should, I probably should let you talk about this, Lee. You're more of an expert on desert terrain. Yeah, so on the desert terrain, <laughs> one of the things I wanted to do was move away from having random village number three with a waddy and really get to the idea <laughs> of just... <laughs> yeah. I really just have um, the idea that desert is all about contours. So what looks like a flat bit of desert is actually surprisingly, you know, it has hollows, it has small rises. A small rise becomes disproportionately um, effective for the actual combat, for being held down, that kind of thing. So when I was doing the terrain for Dak Dak Go, which was a series of tournaments we did at Dyslu, the local store in Brighton, um, I, I basically made the desert terrain so it's more based on low rises, ridges, escarpments, um, a few wadis, but wadis are always a bit of a pain at the tournament. And just got really wanted to get the idea of the actual terrain flowing with um, sort of like um, some areas of line of sight, some just could be concealment. It's all going to come down to try and dominate those high grounds in the actual combat. So so if, if someone was going to, let's say, get the um, battlefront terrain, would you say for desert, potentially get more of the hills? Yeah, than, I think... Um, you- yeah, I think the problem is that they do for some really nice rocky hills, which are, which are good, but you want just some nice, almost easy-going, like, right, oh. low rises, just bumps in the ground, basically. So um, a tank new... can be... Sorry. Sorry. I was going to say the new ones, they've stopped doing the rocky ones, so now it's now... Um, I've got, I've got, I picked up to, they're quite, they're quite large hills. Yeah. But they are very definitely easy-going looking. You know, there's, there's nothing about them okay. which, which goes... That kind of thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if, you, if anyone's interested, somewhere in Breakthrough, so we'll perhaps put a link up on the actual thing. I wrote an article about the terrain I was making that will show all that the idea of just having, like, say, a mix of, you know, very very difficult cliff faces, but also very easygoing rises, just to, like, say, break up concealment and hold down positions, but not actually block line of sight. So I'll, 88 um, still be very deadly. I'll try and remember to put it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah, the other thing I think I like about that terrain as well is there's some low terrain, like just soft sand and things, yeah. which didn't block line of sight, but stopped you like, moving around it. But it also meant the roads had a purpose. 
Yeah, precisely, yeah. Because yeah. there's a whole reason roads appear in the desert. It's just because they're, they're the safe way of getting across the desert kind of thing. It's just like... No, no everything counts as roads. That's, that's the desert rules I liked. <laughs> I, see, I, I made... See, the thing back... I did that for one of the tables at, at the first Dak Dak Go, and we had the raiding forces in. <laughs> and it was a complete... Complete cluster. I think it was actually um, Luke who might have been playing it. I can't remember. No, it was Lee. It was Lee, yeah. yes, yeah. He's, he's and LRGG like like just come racing. Because I had this huge <laughs> runway. It's like a proper scale airfield. And the LRG come running down the airfield, get the objectives and run back out before like before Lee can do pretty much anything. Because it's just like over by turn two, they played another mission. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> it's like never rolled through his reserves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I remember, I think it was one time when Steve uh, Charlton was playing um, early war uh, British armoured cars. And so, and, and he just went to his, his opponent went, and he's, it's actually, he, I, I think I remember correctly, he didn't recommend this. His opponent went, so it's desert, so uh, ev- all, everything that isn't trained counts as roads, right? And you can see that look in Steve's eye, and he's like, yeah, yeah, that, that's sure. a really good <laughs> idea. And then turn one, recon moves, or before the turn one, recon moves, vroom, right, I've surrounded you. Oh, oh. <laughs> Recon yeah. move onto the objective, yeah. So. Pretty much. And it was just like, oh, yeah. And then, yeah, you've now got to come at me or you lose. Oh, you've lost. Okay, good game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is, that, is that a rule, though? I haven't actually checked that. Is that actually a rule anymore that everything no, no. that's, that's That one's gone. Yeah, good. It's just like cross-country now. Good. Obviously, it's, you can do it as a friendly thing, but I think the extra book says it's cross-country. Yeah, I, I said that. I I think that's one of those that kind of made sense from like some parts of the desert and for one or two missions, but as a general rule, was a bit a bit good. Yeah, I think what I'd rather do is just have areas on the table which are defined as these are hard going, so you know that's where you want to get your wheeled vehicles kind of thing. I wouldn't yeah. want to have a, a whole table of it. Will get is especially in version four with the way things move now, get very very. It's like, I mean, a wheeled vehicle moves, what, like 44 inches or something on roads? Yeah, it's something like that, some of them. Um, I, but this is actually something from playing um, a bit of Guildball, I've kind of uh, learned. They actually have positive terrain in Guildball, which speeds up your men. I'm going to be honest, I thought you'd mentioned Guildball before now in this podcast. I'm actually impressing as you hold on this long. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, I've been enjoying it. Um, yeah, it's football the right way, where you know players don't roll around injured because they, you know, they're pretending, it's because they've been hit around the head with a sword. Um, but uh, but one of the things I, I I kind of it took me a real while to get my head around the idea of terrain could be positive, and not as in like a oh I get cover bonus. I mean actually making you better. Yeah, that's that's that would be. I'm trying to think how that would that would transpose. Well, it's, it's basically like roads can make you better in, yeah. flame, in flames, but this is more like you know they have like fast ground, which normally which is and this is where it really took me ages to get my head around it because like fast ground like my the fast ground I have is spilt beer over the floor which in my head I'm like well sure it's just boggy but no that makes you faster because you like you slide across it or something I don't quite understand um but you know but some of them's like on one of them one of them's like planks of ground on the floor so the idea is you guys can run and they've got a better footing all right you know that, that kind of thing yeah. so, but but yeah that's um it yeah that's that's obviously something where you say like with the desert if you go like this this area here and you could do like you could quite easily either make it IMDF or even just get some cloth, different coloured cloth, and go this yep. bit desert, this desert, this bit desert, this harder. You, this bit counts as road. Obviously, it has to be big enough to make that worthwhile with weird vehicles getting cut such a bonus for it. 
Yeah, yeah. I think I think the desert's a good one actually because there is more. You definitely need some terrain, otherwise you're going to get just not non-events of games. And um, uh, yeah, the terrain that the Lee's got together, uh, the definitely the the way it rolls and blocks line of sight. And I like your hills because you've got hills that have got like sheer face cliffs. Yeah. And then they've got like little ro- uh, run-ups, so you can actually only get onto them in certain. Um, yeah, I want to make sure. Yeah. I didn't want anything to be completely blocking out the table. It had to have ways of being exploitable by both sides. And, and a, a true escarpment, we had the cliff face on one side, is great, but only if you're coming in the right direction kind of thing. Whereas having one that's more of a escarpment, you know, a hybrid, it, it makes it a bit more interesting to play, I think. I, I think one of the last things to say, though, um, before we do kind of wrap this up, is, and you say like desert's a good one, I like desert boards and winter boards to, me, to give me very different challenges. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, why, otherwise, if it just plays exactly the same as playing on on the eastern front or western front, what's the point, really? Uh, you know, and I, I used to I used to hate Adam's Winterboard. In some respects, I used to hate it because you'd have so many like heavy, deep snow areas, and mm-hmm. like there's was, there was practically no way you could actually move full distance at any point. But in some respects, I came to realise, yeah, but I play such a different game, and I have to think about things in such a different way that that that's also quite fun. Yeah. I think Winterboard's got watered down over the years that as flames have gone on, but it used to be like, you know, everything counts as being difficult terrain. The, yeah, the problem with that, I don't know how it worked now with version 4, was uh, you have, like, obviously a lot of a lot of armies had wheeled vehicles, which were immediately moving four inches a turn. Yeah, but well, it made, it made, it made oh. the roads more more vital, because the roads were generally yeah. cross-country and that kind of thing, but admittedly cross-country screw over wheeled vehicles for quite a while as well. Yeah, <laughs> so I think it's more just that it made some armies have such a big disadvantage. They just went for like that, right, let's, you know, um, and that's why, that's why I was like Adam's board, because you'd had, I think, three packs of the battlefront, you know, deep snow areas. He could, you could quite easily map it. So like, right, you can like move along this road, probably 12 inches of wheeled vehicle, but then you are going to hit some deep snow. Yeah. You know, and then you've got to deal with that. So, uh, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's like tra- train is for me half the game. So, Definitely, yeah. Your army being the other half. Well, I was yep. not counting the rules. So spend more time on it, people. Ugh. Yeah. But cool. Okay, guys. Well, I think that was a fairly successful episode one, zero, whatever we call this in the end bit. I <laughs> The prototype episode, yeah. Prototype. I think we'll go zero, because apparently that's what programmers do. You have an episode zero. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a programmer. I just heard that once and it, I thought it might sound clever if I said it. Let's say it with conviction, I think. I know. <laughs> well, uh, we'll call it episode zero because programmers, when they do a beta or something, that's zero. So, yes. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know that, but Ben. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, okay. I don't think there's much else to say, but otherwise, thank you for coming on, Duncan. Oh, Thanks, mate. Oh. I have forgotten one thing, so I forget. I should have mentioned the beginning, I feel very bad. Just say so, there's actually a fourth member of the team, but unfortunately Fez could not make it today because of work and something about a plane crashing and him, him being his fault. I don't know. Um, and so, yeah, so hopefully we'll be recording something of him later. I don't know if that's going to add to this episode or be something else in its entirety. I've really not thought that far ahead yet, even though it's tomorrow, as I say this. <laughs> I know you broke the fourth wall now. That's it. Oh. Yeah, you've got to do, got to do a bit of Deadpool. just pg deadpool (laughs) uh so yeah so it might be 
Yeah, okay, so either ignore what I've just said, or I'll edit this out, and it'll be on just after this, or uh, catch the next episode where we'll have a little catch up with Fez and talk to him. If you do remember the previous cast, he was on there sometimes when when I had a break. Um, yeah. But cool. So yeah, so uh, thank you, Fez, for not being here. Uh, thank you, Duncan, for coming on. Thanks, man. Thanks for having us. Uh, thank you, Lee. Yeah, thanks for getting us back up and running, mate. Yeah, it's good. I, I've really enjoyed it. Actually, I do like talking. Can we um, can we call ourselves the premier podcast yet? When when does that happen? Um, when the, the, the patting on the back. Like, I don't know. We, we've got to overtake. Um, what's it? Um, Dice Ned Laurie. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And and I don't know. Mitch seems like quite a nice guy. So I don't know where you want to get into like a blood feud with him just yet. Okay. So <laughs> make a turn at dawn. Speak of both first. They they got the American market. We got the English one. That's fine. Yeah, they have different languages, aren't they? Oh. <laughs> oh. Hey, oh. again. Add <laughs> <laughs> some more using to words. That'll upset them. That's some aluminium. I can never say the way they say, they say aluminium. Aluminum. Aluminum. That's, I just ah uh, aluminum. Anyway. <laughs> Enough alienating uh, the other half of the English world. Yes. Things speaking well, so. <laughs> yeah, and on that bombshell, yeah. <laughs> it has been emotional. Hi guys, and welcome to part two. Uh, slight change of the format and guests because now I'm joined by the fourth host of uh, Shoot and Scoot, Fez. Hi, Fez. Last but not least, hi guys. Last but not least, exactly. So. Fez, from what I understood, uh, deliberately sabotaged a plane tyre in Liverpool, so that's why you couldn't join us yesterday. You could. Uh, <laughs> you, very, you very well may think so. I cannot possibly comment. <laughs> Something about delaying an airfield. I don't know. It's uh, it sounds blurry yeah, to me. It all the time, you know. <laughs> so uh, I say, Fez, as people may know from the uh, Beyond the Foxholes podcast, as you did an able job surfing in for one a day for a while, and would also appear on random on the road episodes. Yeah, I, I, I took the, the, the mantle of uh, uh, losing every game I played pride in that one. <laughs> yes, there's also, you might remember the one who would go, I could do a sensible army, or I could have like seven Yag Tigers. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that was one of the things that I cried about, cried about. I, I lamented most when version 4 came out. I realised that all the armies I've been playing for the past four years in my hobby were actually now viable armies. Version oh. 4 is is the era of the Fez. <laughs> so are you now going back to like, you know, balanced armies that aren't so good? Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. <laughs> I'm now flip-flopping because I've already done that. I've done the seven Yak Tigers. I've done all the, the big tanks and the artillery units and that kind of thing. Now, now I'm going to do sensible balanced armies that aren't quite as useful. <laughs> Sounds about right. Uh, so, Fez, for the people who didn't listen to the old podcast. Do you want to just chat a bit about your gaming background and how you came to Flames? Oh, my gaming background is long and varied. Oh, I know. Um, I've, got, I've got a drink ready. The short, the short version. Uh, so I worked for Games Workshop whilst at university. Um, so I was a full-time member of staff there. Oh. I bought so many toy soldiers. Oh. Um, and I got into wargaming because my dad did scale modelling and I got bored with having models that I couldn't do anything with discovered wargaming it's like well i can build my models and and then do some use them for something um uh whilst at gw i bought enough imperial guard that when i sold the collection or half the collection i actually had enough money to buy a car <laughs> uh, which, was, which was a claim to fame or you know 
were, were aside you, the diction, one of the two. Were you there for weight order? No, no, no. Uh, this this is just the old staff fifty percent discount kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. pay by wages was a bad day. Bad. <laughs> yes. Uh, I still have like fifteen Space Marine dreadnoughts for some reason. Just you know, they're only twenty five pound each. It's fine. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm the sure they're more than that these days. Uh, I don't know actually. I'm going to look in a while, but I am. I'm the chairman of the Guildford Games Club. Uh, just plug that in there. There you go. Every Monday night from the Guildford area from half seven to eleven, uh, we're open every day apart from Christmas. Um, including, in fact, we're actually thinking of running a New Year's gaming thing on oh, New Year's Day because it's a Monday. New Year's Day. Monday. New Year's Eve. Sorry. New Year's Eve. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah maybe. We're, if we've got enough sados together, we can do that. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so. Aviation, uh, gaming, and motorcycles are my passions. So I came out of uh, Games Workshop, went into the aviation world uh, for a couple of years, uh, got bored of that, and then moved over back into gaming, but into board gaming this time. And I worked for uh, Stephen Games, who are now Asmodee UK, as a board games buyer for three years. Um, so I got to travel the world, go to all the big shows, such as Gen Con, um, Essen, UK Games Expo, and spent other people's money buying board games and, uh, and demoing them as well wasn't it uh, well yeah well, being yeah. a buyer obviously I need to go out and actually find the new games play them see if they need to be any good and decide how many be, if any we wanted to get into the UK um, so as part of that I've been to Fantasy Flight Games headquarters over in uh, Minneapolis um, so that was interesting being a fly on a wall during that whole games workshop FFG thing. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and now uh, during that period, I kind of really got into Flames of War. Uh, it was just uh, World War Two's massive military history thing for me, and uh, version three kind of tied it all together. I, I, I had version two right at the end of version two. I got the rule book, uh, and I still got my um, Villas Bacage book that I bought from uh, Hobbycraft. Oh with my Panzerleer, who have yet to see the table in anger, actually. I need to get those guys finished off. The Panzerleer. I still have the dice. I still have all the templates, the tokens and everything. They're going to get on the board at some point. I, I, I get, guys, you probably get that's going to be a running thing with Fez. I've got this arm, and I need to get that finished off. That reminds me. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. So, um, kind of died. Yeah, got in with uh, Beyond the Foxholes, you guys, Breakthrough Assault, and uh, did a load of tournaments. Um, which is great, fantastic time getting away and, and just playing a game for ages and ages. Never really kind of placed as well as I would have liked. I was always said to be something else in my army list that kind of came up when I was playing games for Flames in version 3. Um, I think I, did, I got too carried away with the thematics of it, I think. But yeah, but I would, I would say also there's many different reasons to go to a tournament and yeah, you, you did get your fair share of like best sports and... I did, yeah. yeah. I've got a couple of trophies of that I'm quite proud of. You know, and, and generally speaking, if there's someone, especially if you've had like a bad round, if there's someone you want to face just to get get you to perk yourself back and have fun, it was yourself. Oh, nice. Yeah, an easy win, is that what you mean? <laughs> no, no, I mean, as in, you know, you knew it would always be a good good laugh. Um, I remember playing you in Toyman, and I think you'd done the Glider Army, and I was, oh, I think I was playing the, my friend. Oh, the Landestrom. <laughs> and, and there's that moment of oh here's Fez with his crazy army. I mean this I mean this doesn't work. And then you did something and I lost like a tank platoon. I was like ah crap quick quick quick. 
Oh yeah, I, I sorted them because you when they land, you're bailed out for purposes yes. of defensive fire. Yeah, that was fun. I'm a glider pilot as well, so that's the industry. I have a soft spot in my heart. Um, I'm looking at doing a, uh, a British paragliding, paragliding, a British para gliding force um, with some custom terrain. I think that'd be pretty pretty fun to get on the board. Yeah, uh, glider tricks are pretty cool. They, you don't get the cool. Uh, wait, do you get the cool air landing rules anymore, then? I don't think you do, do you? You don't, but I just think it'd be nice to turn up with just some wrecked. Um, hot spurs and, and mm. you know crash scenery and just go this fits my army <laughs> <laughs> this fits my army I'm never going to play on this table the entire tournament yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah. Um, like, like the classic I brought a desert army and you know you lay on a oh, winter table again is it yeah you have to roll for hypothermia checks <laughs> they suck um, yeah so I've, I've had a bit of a break uh, with version 4 came in um, I, a combination of I think it was like yourself kind of hit a level of burnout um, and the initial the initial release with with the intermediate sorry interim rules I would say all the conversion factors and the playtesting kind of taking a little while to kind of balance it out a little bit I just it was just a bit too much work after having spent all that time memorizing the rule book and a lot of time having to correct other play other veteran players <laughs> version two slash version one slash home whatever rules they were playing because it wasn't version 3 um, <laughs> yeah. yeah you and winner you two yeah, always right. like that. you two and you're together you can just hear uh, hear across the room uh, actually man that's not how it works yeah actually <laughs> if, you read the, yeah, if you read this page in the book of the rules of the game <laughs> um, yeah so I took a little bit of break uh, and then the Americans came out yeah I I, 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 I was similar I was similar I, I Although I've it's recently I got back into since those Italians hit the hit the market, there has been part of me well, that's like I got, I just got to get those Italians, man. It's really weird that the the first thing that made the Americans stand out to me was just the 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 really cool fighting first like script. Mm. Oh yeah, like, that was just like and it's in the same yellows or the markings and I you know I I thought I was quite versed in them. Um, World War Two history, you markings, especially in that kind of respect. I was like, oh, they, they were yellow. Um, and that really piqued my interest to do something a little bit different to kind of get into it. Um, and uh, it kind of snowballed from there, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. As I look around at the lead part, so the plastic part I'm kind of putting together, I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that, you know, obviously the new plastics are fantastic. Um, and just having the, I, I'm really into to version four mid war at the moment, just because of the cards um, and how having everything there is maybe super lazy. Uh, <laughs> I like that. I can be lazy. Yes, this is the game. I can be like, well, it's 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 just changed. It's just you know, I've changed careers again, left the stevium and gone back into aviation, and and you get gets to that point where you kind of get to the end of a games night and you just you kind of get to the table and you're like I don't want to be flipping between three or four different books trying to remember oh this special rule is now here and that is now here and and, and, and GW got a little bit like that especially with its the interactions between things and the way that the game works beyond the basic level with, with Warhammer 40,000 so it's like well I like having a card and being able to flick it over and go oh yeah uh, you know stabilizers I always have to shoot at the highest rate of fire but it's minus one if I move okay all those rules are there and nice and simple 
There's um yeah, I would say when me and Adam were having our first few games, we were checking we were checking the rules forms everything because um you know it's like did, did they change this rule? Is it, you know, yeah, that's what I learn a lot. Yeah, just go like this is really basic. So let's just but I know this is a basic rule, but let's just go through it. Like especially like the first few assaults, we went literally page by page in the rule books. So obviously, generally speaking, in almost every game, that's the hardest part of the game, the assault phase. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, I, I def, we definitely found it because Adam doesn't have the cards because obviously he's got he had he kept his models. And yeah. He's uh, he's carrying over from that. But when it came to like, right, so uh, what's the uh, like movement rate of this? And Adam's had to flick through his rule book and find everything. I just pick up my card and go, you know, it, it definitely, I, I didn't, I mentioned this to the other guys. I wasn't sure about the cards to start with, but having used the cards, I, I oh actually think they're gosh. quite a good idea. They're really good. And that's, so that's one of the things, because Midwarf properly uses the cards, mm. which means that you get some really nice little tweaks between units, yes. you know. You're like, oh, this unit, you know, remounts on a three plus instead of a four plus like the rest of the army, just because you know that has wet stowage or whatever. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. But you get some actual differences between units in the same, you know, or it's hit easier for whatever reason. You know, it's a a bigger vehicle. I don't know. Um, yeah. One of the things I've really liked is the fact that you know you do get like you do get that lot more detail between the units, as you say. So you just go, these guys are vet- veteran. Flat across the board, they're just veteran. Now yeah. it's yeah, yeah, they, they, they might get shot at like veteran, but actually this these guys are much better at fighting in combat than these guys. But these guys are better like the, you know, following orders and shooting, scooting or whatever. Um, yeah. So they they get benefits that. And I think it's quite it's, it makes it gives a level, a, another level of tactics to the game, but without having to add layers of rules to the game. Yeah, and then but then but it's just a core base. So if you really mm. want to you can get your command cards and go, right, well, I'm going to add some extra complexity. I'm going to add yeah. this different formation. I want to have, you know, an, an armoured recon company and stick that in there kind of thing. No, uh, no yeah, I've, I've, I've got the cards. I need to have a flick through re- re- reading see what I can get. Like a Italian motorcyclists are tempting me. Ah, uh, very good. Because, you know, I know they're a pain in the ass to put together because I've built a unit for a friend before. Oh yeah, they're ter- <laughs> they're, they're they're a horrific hobby commitment. But um, at least they're not as bad as the Germans with the Psycarts, which look amazing, look better. But yeah, trying to balance two metal things with like that aren't balanced. Well, I've got the British the British Expeditionary Force, the Territorial Motorcyclists platoon, uh, uh, to go with my early war uh, Matildas. And that's been amazing. That's been, they're amazing to put together, right? Oh yeah, they're amazing. If if you are, you know, you just want to punish yourself for your hobby, uh, <laughs> but they look really cool when they're actually built. Yeah, that's that's the thing with motorcycle troops. They do look amazing. Um, was it uh, Pete uh, in Toyman? He's he's got loads of these motorcycle troops, and he was really worried. He was really worried when I went through the book and they weren't there. And I said, "Oh, don't I make them in the command cards?" I said, "I'm going to be honest." I think they might suck in the game, but they look amazing doing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like most of my armies, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what you like. So these aren't great, but they could be, but they look really cool. <laughs> like, I'll have five. It's like Japanese. Yeah. Oh, oh, and by the way, you also have to make the normal platoon as well for when they get off the bike. <laughs> yeah, it's so much more. Uh, yeah, spot the guy who wants to do a Japanese cavalry army. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, that's another. That's another. I think I have to pick up again. Scene. I did. I did love. Did love my old Japanese army. Yeah, I just the cavalry idea was just like everything rolling forward, mounted and on toes. Which in version four was taking a little bit of a hit with the whole trying to get rid of. I think they're just trying to get rid of toe the requirement to have toes and all those yeah. extra ancillary vehicles, which makes sense because the amount of times you just sit in there going, well. It's got one truck in this platoon, but it's not the closest. Do I shoot it? Isn't it? Yeah, you know, how do pioneer supply vehicles work? It's a whole extra level of complication. It doesn't really need to be in the game. Yeah, I, I had the same feeling when uh, when I picked up the artillery platoon for the first time and was like, wait a second, there's no there's no staff team, there's no command team, and I thought about it. And went, well, do you really need a base to tell you that when that base is alive, you can put down a ranger marker? Yeah. It just well, like, the thing for me is half the time you'd kill the staff team and then the, the, whoever you were playing would try to do a repeat bombardment yeah. anyway. And yeah. then you just have a 20-minute discussion going, no, 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 the reason you needed that staff team is because you couldn't do this. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, um, and especially like with the British one that was independent and you'd be like an independent team. It's just... Oh. I mean, it, it's cool. It's like kind of how they are, but realistically, it says it's something you don't... It's something that just slows the game down that isn't necessarily yeah. needed. Um, you know, and that's the big thing I've kind of learned is some of the stuff that you're missing. I'm going to come back to it. The only thing that I'm really missing, that like why they removed this, is the recon lifting onto ground. Um, just because I love, that was one of my favourite. You know, recon was one of my yeah. favourite units. I, I get it. I, I do get it in some ways. I mean, they are still effectively the same because they get the spearhead move. They get the they they get gone. They they are gone to ground when they don't shoot and are concealed. And it's just one one little rule. But like, but it just kind of felt like it gave them a, a role, you know, that was very different, which though nothing really, nothing really kind of fills. And but, but then with artillery being so deadly and not needing to um, exactly, artillery does to, its job. Yeah. Artillery kills infantry sat in the same spot, you know. Yes. If they're and, sat in the same spot, you just go right. They're over in that wood. If we flatten that wood, wood, they're going to be dead. Yeah, basically. You know, um, it didn't make sense to me that a greyhound pulling up next to a, a platoon of Shermans and go, oh, they're in that wood. And the Shermans go, oh, really? Oh, well, now we can hit them with the, our machine guns. Like, we weren't trying that before. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I do, I do get it. I do get it. I, it's just, you know, Recon was one, Recon was one of my favourite units. It's, I think it's because it was one of those units when I first stopped playing the game I hated. I'm like, these guys are yeah. really bad. But then once you, you clicks, you get so much use out of them that, you know, it, it just the fact that you can't you don't get that anymore. But again, I get, I get it. You know, but that said, uh, they tend to have a butt ton of machine guns now. They they do they do, um, and therefore they are all of a sudden my recon is for because so, I'm doing tank destroyers for the uh, Americans. Oh, and see that's one of the things I love the way tank destroyers work now. Whereas yes. the where the uh, was it the security section is not something that just gets taken off the board. No, nope. you you actually do what they're meant to do. You 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 scout ahead, and the tanks come with them. Yep, it's, and then that's good. Yeah, but then after they've done that, you know, they, they've done that properly, they then just go, oh, we're being outflanked by infantry, are we? Well, yeah. you know, cue cocking sound of 50 and 30 caliber machine guns and the revving of uh, V8 engines as they go herring across the open to machine gun down those poor bloody Germans. Who are... It's ridiculous. Have you seen the rate of fire of these things? I, I've, I've, I've got the American book. I can't say I have not looked for it in detail as I have the other, the other three for mid-war, so... Although I have just realised, you only get to fire one machine, one gun line, don't you? Um, you get to fire all the MGs. 
Oh, cool. Yeah. So that's. Uh, I mean, it's the same as before, really. It, you just can't fire the main gun and the MGs. Oh, okay. That's that's the yeah. difference now. So you uh, get um, the, the M3s. They've got uh, moving rate of fire two on the fifty cal, and then moving rate of fire two on the the, the thirty cals. So yeah. it's four shots, but there's two of them, so that's eight shots. There's a thirty cal MG jeep, so that's another three shots. So that's eight, nine. That's eleven machine gun shots with a tactical move of eight and twelve inches. Yeah. A dash of about fourteen. No, it's it's. I I think tank destroyers now feel right because I was playing at the end of version two. And tank destroyers were crap in that. Because yeah. you, you had set up so far away, they just they would jump out, go, ha ha, some long range shots, and then every, everything would kill them because they had no armour. One um, of my favourite things is the tank destroyer company HQ, right? Yeah. It's aggressive for the, the two Stuarts. They're aggressive, so they hit on threes. Not. A normal Stuarts hit on. Threes two. as well. No, threes. Uh, the normal M3 Stuarts they hit on reckless they hit on twos oh really yep oh god I didn't think anything was hit on twos <laughs> okay uh, no they're reckless two plus but that's because they're six points for three Stuarts <laughs> yes fair <laughs> um, oh that was the other thing the, and the, the armoured recon patrol is three points for those two uh, armoured cars the MG Jeep and 60mm mortar I'm, I'm still getting my head around the whole everything's 100 points yeah well the the main thing as well to say just to cover for the, re- the tank destroyers is those three points but that platoon is part of your core formation. And that is a, a change that I really, really like that mm. your support platoons just don't count. Yeah. And it means you can't just front like you can't just like do the min-max, right? I'm going to yeah. have my ten bases of German grenadiers yeah. and then tigers two, and Two this. platoons of Volksturm and then yeah. everything else is support Super heavy tigers, kind of thing. Yeah, because they'll just come along, kill you, kill you know that. Yeah, um, with the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think I think that's a really good change. Uh, the other one I quite liked was the re- the way that, and I think it's still abusable, but it's re- the reserve rule where now it's a forty percent of your army. Yes. So I like this because it stops the whole front loading with you know with your um, you know just with like your your good stuff, but at the same time. Yeah. Um, there are. I have. Seen, I have already seen some lists that abuse it a little bit. Like, for instance, in my in early war, my Italian tanks. I've given one guy in each platoon an MG, an AMG, because then it makes them exactly twenty percent. Uh, so little things like that. And I, I know it's not the worst, but the, I think the worst one made the my British list where uh, my infantry I'm going to do, which is forty points is free Churchills. So I still get <laughs> the rest of the army on the board, and the only thing in reserve is quite mobile. Yeah. But, but, then, I, but then it's you, you still got the same points difference, you know. Like yeah, and, and I think it probably makes things more more balanceable because you go right, okay, it's you always know for all these missions now, forty percent of the army's in reserve. Yeah. So you, you can you can kind of make right, you can tweak missions. I think easier than going. Well, yeah, sure, half of my platoons are in reserve, but three of them are carrier platoons. I don't need some defending. Yeah, one of them's anti-aircraft, and you haven't got airplanes. Yeah. So woo. Woo. Yeah. yeah. Not worth it. And like yeah. one, of, and one of them's like these two monsters I've taken to get to ten platoons. Yeah. You know, so uh, at least now, at least now it kind of stops that. Um, I, I, there's a lot of change like that when you when you really break down and think about it. Which initially, I will be honest, I was like, uh, 
I actually think do make sense and probably do make for a better game in the in the long term. It, it is a different game, and that's yes. why I think I took a little bit of a break. You kind of have to stop, cleanse yourself, and kind of read it again and read it fresh. Yes. You know? And I always feel like I think we were chatting about it. I think it, you know, coming back to it as well. What now that the Americans and the Italians and the British have been fully bulked out, and obviously soon about to get the Soviets and the uh, the Germans fully bulked out. Yeah, I think, I think that's when to come in. When it was just the initial two book releases, which I think even Battlefront admit because they redid the British book, they probably got yeah. slightly, they got probably got slightly wrong. But it's a learning curve. They were doing well, the yeah, game exactly. I mean, how often do people? How you know, never before have they had to sit there and redo. Such yeah. a drastic change. No, because beforehand it always been minor tweaks. Yeah. And the, all the well, old books carried over. Yeah, and then at the same time provide enough to re... You know, that every existing model that your collectors have got has rules for somewhere. Yeah. A model, but core platoon, you know. Okay, yeah, toes have kind of disappeared and that kind of thing, but... Yeah. You, know, you can still use them as objectives for your... Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I picked up some Soviet artillery and obviously get staff teams and that, so I'm just going to do one of them up on a, on a big base and it'll be an objective. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you plonk your artillery on that objective, it'll make sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, what we're assaulting, our staff team, why? They got cut off again. God damn it, Every bloody time we tell you we're retreating, and what do you do? You stay behind. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's just advancing in a rearwards direction. <laughs> Cool. So um, obviously we've uh, also you and me is, as we I think it's safe to say with us we've kind of gone all in and we've uh, we're off to the what's it the um, open day in the end of the end of the next yeah month. my ticket arrived super excited about that and then they uh, they previewed the little Doctor Who figurine ah, which... that is pretty cool pretty oh, cool that does remind me and this is also something else we're going to we're going to chat about have you seen the uh, the expo the three D scanning thing I have. I can imagine that the queue for that will be longer than my will to live. So. There's uh, a lot of tickets available still for the Sunday. Okay. So I'm tempted, and I wasn't going to do it, and then someone said they've got props. So I'm now hoping they might have a World War II uniform. Yeah. And I can have Company Commander Davy. Uh, might I, mean, be... I, don't, I don't have any World War II stuff I could bring with me, unfortunately. No, that, that's one of the things I initially said to the guys. I'm like, I'm not sure I'm going to be up for this because, you know, I, I, you know, they won't have anything for me to wear. Uh, you know, I don't, yeah. I, I don't want to go out and buy, like, £200 worth of historical reenactment stuff. If it was Vietnam, you'd be all right. I've got a flak jacket that'll fit you. But... I could do Vietnam. <laughs> well, we'll see. I, I don't know. I'm still arming an army. Uh, arming an army. I mean, the other one I was thinking was to do a 28 mil version of me and do it for, like, zombie side. But then I've got to buy zombie side. Yeah. Um... <laughs> or, you know... Walking Dead, that'll work. Oh, that's not a bad idea, actually. That's a pretty good game, actually. I'm quite impressed by that. No, I've I've almost picked it up for, for me and my wife to play, actually. Um, yeah, no, I've heard it's a really good game. I've heard Mantic have actually finally uh, made it made a good one. They've got a couple. That's a bit mean. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a bit... I say, I say, guys, I'm a bit... I, I did the... Uh, what's it? The um, Dreadball Kickstarter, and I was a bit... I felt a bit burnt by them. Right, yeah. Because, oh, that's a Kickstarter for you, because you're not buying a complete product. Well, yeah, it kind of felt like I bought a game that was still in beta. 
when I finally got it. I understand it's very good. Almost like you kickstarted something. Well, no, I didn't mind that bit, but it's the fact the rules didn't feel finished when it finally got to us. You repurchase a finished product, you kickstarted something. I know, I know. Oh, dear. It's almost like the clues in the name of what you're doing. (laughs) Oh, Oh, no. But I I actually actually understand it's actually quite a good game now since they've redone it. Version 2 of it. Oh, well, Dreadful. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know... It's, I, I, it's, I struggle enough with Blood Bowl. Yeah. That's what right. gave, I gave a couple of months and then I'm cool. I go back in the box. <laughs> I just suck at it. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, but obviously we're so we're going off to the uh, obviously got, got the open okay, day. Yeah, I'm doing the uh, the Flames of War escalation campaign. And I'm gonna bring some stuff. I'm currently not. I'm kind of doing it as like a, a media thing. But I I'm gonna bring some stuff in case I get. Oh look, we're we're down a player. Who wants to play? Yeah, I'm super um, hoping that 24 points, they only want one core platoon choice for a formation. Uh, Otherwise, I'm not going to have a lot of tank destroyers. I, I, <laughs> I kind of imagine and hope so, because otherwise it's just going to be infantry. Yep, that's <laughs> the only thing you can fit at that points level. Um, the, the doubles bit is quite interesting. I might see if Justin from the club wants to go. So so how does it work initially? So it's... it's because uh, obviously they've got the tournaments you've got Team Yankee and uh, Mid-War so it's, it's yeah. 24 points and then you pay 24 points doubles no I think I, I think it's 24 points then it says 48 points doubles so whether the, that is but I think the 48 points is 48 points each because the final game is 100 points single right yeah that would make sense so I think it's like a quick one then you can probably just to kind of like get the first game get some results going it's yeah. going to be swingy. Doesn't really depending on a draw, uh, but then you can go off and do you know actually do the other bits of the day. Then you've got doubles, you know, just probably to shake it up again a, a bit, and then uh, then the final one is the actual full on game. I, I know Tim said he's tried to organise it so people have time to do stuff like the uh, the conference call with uh, New Zealand and and all the other, some of the other things. So you're not you're not just playing the games all day. You can experience yeah. the show, so to speak. Yeah, I do. I you know, I I would advise probably booking in to do something. Cause I'm not entirely sure if you're there for a whole day. Yeah, I'm that, shopping. What you're going to be doing? I don't know. I'm, I'm yeah. I'm I'm umming and eyeing. There's uh, I know some tanks there, and that's a game I've I've wanted to play more of. So I might just hit the tanks table after I get a bit bored. I don't know. I'll bring my stuff and I'll see what happens. I, I they might even have some tables for random gaming. I guess. Because that might make sense. Yeah, probably. So we'll see. That's, but, but that's quite cool. That's that's the end of June. There's still tickets available for that, I believe. And as Fez says, you do get a Doctor Who in 15 mil on top of a uh, Chieftain. Yeah. And, and a 28 mil Doctor Who. Interesting that the Chieftain apparently is resin. Yeah, I was quite surprised. I, yeah, I, I, I yeah, we'll find out. We'll have a good good review of that. But um, yeah, it's, 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 it's quite cool. Um, I'm not even a Master Doctor Who fan, and I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's a good crossover of licenses, I think. And obviously, so we're going to the expo next weekend, which will probably be this weekend as you listen to this. Yeah. Unless you're listening to this in the past, at which point, in the future, sorry. At which point in the past? Have yeah. you done that? I've <laughs> no idea. We're in the past, that's what I meant to say. Um, <laughs> yeah, which I've, I was talking to Fez before this. Uh, Battlefront's going to be there, and they've got a 25% sale. Well, not 25% sale. A buy three four, for yeah, three for three for four. Three for two or four, four for, four for three. Four for three. Uh, 
Oh, so, okay. But obviously, I'm like, well, I'm going to make the most out of that and buy like three of the same price box at so 25% off. And I'm desperately yeah. trying not to buy Team Yankee Army. By which you mean you're going to get Team Yankee Marines because Humvees are cool. Humvees are cool. Should, what, what is better than firing a Stinger missile out the top of a moving Humvee? If only to watch Rivet Counters rage when they say, you can't do that, they didn't do that. That wasn't how you did it. <laughs> well, I, I get that, but I really want to do the French. Sacre bleu! Oh, I really want to do this French. I don't know. Because the they thing is... No, no, they have uh, they have AM- AMXs which are just as cool. Uh, I suppose, but they're not Leopard Two, so. No, no, the Leopard Twos are far too. Ex- I, I, that's the thing I'm getting with Team Yankee. I don't know how you make army lists. The tanks are so expensive. It's just bizarre. I've been playing uh, against Justin the club. Justin has Americans, and I have Americans and Russians. Um, and my T seventy twos. It's it's it. There's a game there somewhere. We've yet to really find it. Yes. I, I either just swarm forward in a blood curdling cry of green armour rising over the, t- the over the hills <laughs> and he either has a good round of shooting and completely obliterates me or he fluffs his dice and then I obliterate him next turn with vast numbers of Soviet tanks. Yeah, I, I'm kinda of seeing that. The um that's why I'm I think I'm that's why I'm leaning towards like the, the cheaper tanks. Um, which might not be the way to do it. I don't know. I, I tried writing a British list because I thought I'm doing British in mid-war. You know, I, I do British in mostly everything. So let's try and do Brits. Um, I just couldn't work out. I, I'm, I'm sure people listen to this game. Well, it's easy, man. Brits are easy to make lists for. Well, but, yeah. We've not, I've not, you know, I've, I've, it's one of those things where I've done my recreational hobby where yeah. I've had no time to do any modelling. So I've just spent money on hobby to feel yeah. like I'm still doing hobby. As I'm sure many people feel, if you look, if, if you don't think you've ever done this, look back and you'll realise that's what exactly what you've done. That's how what you end up with a pile of plastic. I, I I've definitely done that because when I'm, I was there, like I need to go and spend some stuff in the sale. I need to go and buy stuff in the sale, and then I've spent the last two days putting together uh, the last of my British tanks and all my Italian tanks going. Now I've got enough models actually. I don't need to buy stuff. What am I, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> I get genuinely excited now because um, we're looking to do uh, was it attack and devices, which is early war. Mm. I was like, oh, the points value, cool. I can do uh, early war British tanks finally. And I was like, oh wait, I, I have that model. Oh wait, I have, I have that army. And I was like, wait, I'm one Matilda one short. I could justify buying an extra tank that actually has a reason rather than going, oh, that's a good deal. Or oh, I've always fancied those. Yeah. I was saying, please don't take Matildas. My, ta- um, I literally can't hurt you. <laughs> I can maybe bail you of artillery. They, the the Matilda one list got a huge, huge. Well, but the Matilda list got a huge boost in version four. I'm, I'm so yeah. I've heard, Just, I, I'm definitely trying to track down some uh, the coastal guns off eBay. You lose, you lose the downsides of you lose a lot of the downsides of being um, unreliable. Is that rule just gone? No, you've got, it reduces. Uh, I did look in the. I found my uh, conversion book. It reduces right. the dash speed by two inches. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> so, okay, not a problem. Um, top armor two. You're not worrying about artillery anymore. Especially as artillery all got nerfed against tanks. Exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're, you're top, you know, you've now you really don't need to worry about artillery, which is really the only thing other than, you know. In early war, that's most people's anti-tank was big artillery guns. Yep. 
for the heavy art for the really he- the, the the super heavy armor of the day um <laughs> and uh you get um the only artillery you could take were uh, 18 pounders which have got a, a firepower boost yeah yeah that's that's one of the big things i've noticed is uh, like 25 pounders now seem really good yeah you know eight or 18 pounders even cheaper and have, have got four up firepower so you trundle forward um the you know you don't have an observer oh well i've got a command platoon which has a um i think i've got the matilda one and a mark four <laughs> little, oh, oh what the little like uh, armor one the, the little vickers mark four yeah, yeah. But then you don't have to remain in command oh don't you no because command is if you're out of command you're just plus one Oh, I see, I see what you're saying. You, uh, right, so, so my little, my, my, the Matilda one trundles forward with the other Matildas as they do, trundle, water, 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 water across the battlefield, and my little Vickers drives off to spot because it's a command team, which can, uh, sorry, it's a HQ team, so it's a spotter. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, which I'm... is the tactic. Also, I'm using a mid war because those Stuarts that are four, uh, three up to hit also have scout so they get gone to ground and they can spot for my priests see that that scares me less in mid war I'm going to be honest I, I can hurt your tanks in mid war yeah but tank destroyers yeah I'm, I, I have done so I'm doing an article on this but my Italian army is literally 21 Italian tanks and 8 pieces of artillery because that was free box sets the two army yeah. deals, well, two army deals and one more box set. Um, I think it's actually 20 tanks. I'm going to have to drop one. But I'm there now, rapidly looking through it, going, yeah, I probably should add something that can kill heavy tanks because I got a feeling I'm going to be facing some. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's interesting. I'm really excited to find out and start seeing. Because I played. I played at Warfare last year, but I had zero prep time for version 4. So I kind of just turned up with my bare-bones, typical Fez-style, painted-the-night-before army. <laughs> you know, oh, it's Dak. Desert yellow, chipping. Yeah. Do the tracks. Yeah, that'd do. Um, and uh, I actually got completely schooled by people who actually played version 4, quite fairly. Um well, hang on a second. Practice actually does something? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, but one of the problems I had was that I got caught out by the more missions rules. I hadn't read that. I knew that they were included, but I didn't actually read through them. And yeah, it's my own fault because I didn't read through the mission pack. Um, but the whole, if you're contesting, if you're contesting an objective at the beginning of your turn and you kill the unit that's contesting it, you capture it at the end of your turn. Is that a rule? That is in the more missions pack. Oh, bloody hell, okay. Yeah, so if you're... So if you start your turn and you're capturing, except there's one unit standing on, you know, the other guys... To to stop the whole, I'm just going to feed you one guy a turn. Exactly, you kill that guy, you capture that objective. Yeah, that's a very sensible rule. It makes sense, but I was dug in on my objective and I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. I, I can almost see it as well. Yeah, yeah. That's one of those things where you can see it where your, your opponent does that. Like, right, I'm going to keep the objective hot. He's going to kill it and win the game anyway. And then you go, right, I'm just going to dig in then. 
Yeah. They're like, what? I, I, yes, sure, please, please do that. Yes, that's that's a brilliant move. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. That, that, that's the thing. a lot of the changes I found have do make sense from the topping the gaminess. And I'm yeah. sure there will still be gaminess in there. Uh, I'm sure oh, yeah. I'll come across it's, it. It's it's a war game. It's the yeah. perfect thing, but. No, then, and quite often when you fix one thing, it just means something else becomes abusable. It's just the way things yeah. go, and gamers are awful people who will find uh, find these holes. And usually, they are. yeah, that's true. But and we, I, you know, and I, yeah, I must say, I put my hand up saying I'm, I'm one of those people. So like, I'm a little bit annoyed. Nico, Nico Hacker teams aren't as good anymore. Because you're yeah. your guy just with explosives running at a tank. Yes, the best anti-tank weapon in the entire game. Yeah, of course. Like, better than <laughs> better than take guns and. Well, yeah, because if the guy gets killed, then someone else just picks it up and runs forward as well. Just <laughs> brutal, You're a brutal man, Davy. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously the fact they can be targeted now uh, makes them slightly worse. But also, you can only kill what you're actually in base space contact with. So it, how it, dare you not have teleporting exploding people? I, I, they got long. They got very long poles in my defence. <laughs> very long poles. <laughs> But yeah, that was a bit of a shock of oh oh, oh okay well but the same but at the same time to counterbalance that the Japanese platoons are never going to run away now because you yeah they're in good spirits when they're down to two model or two or three two, three models isn't it three yeah that's pretty yeah. brutal uh, so they're just going to keep coming anyway and also the fact that not, I think if I've done the math right their night attacks better for them now because of the way the movement rules are yeah everything moves faster. Right. So I'm there again. Yeah, you know, it's in one ways meh, but in other ways, cool. Yeah, you win some, you lose some. And that's always going to be the case when this thing goes through. The biggest difference for me is that I can now go to all the guys at the club, like, well, pick up, what do you want to play? I'll play Late War. Pick up the Army's Late War book, and yeah. you're good. You know, you've got everything you need. Yeah, I'm, and that's one of the things uh, I can't remember we chat about. We might be chat about after the car. So we, we were. So we were chatting about, like, you know, when they do late war, you know, are we going to see some similar issues to mid-war? And I said, well, actually, no, because you've got this book, which is your get-you-buy book. Yeah. So even if, let's say, and I don't think they would, but let's say the first two books come out are Americans and Germans for Normandy, you've still got British lists. You can still play with these guys. Don't know if they're going to do books. No? I don't know if they need to. So, so the whole point, the whole point, from what I can understand, of version four was they looked at their their you know any war games company has to sell sell models to stay alive. Yeah, models. Right. Uh, I, I one of my old game social managers used to say, "I wish the rule books were all free." Yeah, because we right. make the model, we make the money on the models, not on the books. Some people do, and, and to be honest, they've done that yeah. with the books. Look at the price point they're selling these books for. Oh yeah, no, they're fantastic. That's why right. I love them. Exactly. So they're, they're covering costs there. And, and, and to be honest, the quality, no one's talked, I don't know, I've not had anyone say anything about the quality of these new Waiver books. Holy crap, I've, I'm so impressed compared to all of my other books that fell apart in five seconds. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, I, I'm, I'm probably going to buy pretty much all the hardback books just because they're nice yeah. books now. They're lovely, you know, they're, they're full colour, they are hardback, they... And they cost less than the ones that fell apart in two seconds. Um, anyway, so you've got a, you've got Cult of the New Wargaming. There's more competition than ever for, for people's disposable cash in the gaming hobby as general. 
Um, and where and and how do you get new retailers? Right. So you know, you think you've got to think about as a company, you want to sell your product into more places to get more customers. Someone opens up a new board game shop in the arse end of nowhere, wherever a stand. Right. They go, right, what sells? Okay, well, I'll go, I'll go buy these board games, uh, Magic, the Gather, that card game, uh, Wargaming. All right, well, Games Workshop, I'll buy the core couple of bits and pieces from there. Oh, someone's asking for Flames of War. Where the heck do you start? Right? And you can see that. You can see they tried that with Open, open was it Open Fire? Yeah, and there's, uh, there's the El Al- Alamein one now as well. Yeah, well, the end of anime is like the little starter box, but as oh, you, you, you mean the one with the um, with which had the US powers in and the um, so I meant the, uh, the the little sets of two tanks. Oh, okay, yeah, that okay, yeah, yeah. And it's like as a new as a new stockist, if you're going to try to buy Flames of War, like what the hell do you buy? Because the skew range is so prolific. You know, and then you can't only buy just one of them because if you buy, oh, I'll buy one of everything. Well, if you're buying SU-100 or, or whatever the Russian anti-tank gun that I really want, it's the SU-100 gun, but on a anti-tank mount. Uh, yeah, I know, yeah, I know what you mean. The SU-1... I don't know, anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, SU-1? I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, it's really, really big. BSU, no, BU, no. It's going to bug me now. I'll come back to me later. Um, yeah, you had to buy two of those because you can buy a gun this. You want to buy two to get, you know, the platoon. Yeah, this is, this is the the first my first shop I used to go to which sold Flames of War. The issue I always used to have them was they'd order one of like you know like the new platoons come out they'd order one blister. Yeah, and I'm like, well, I need five of these. Oh, okay, we'll order them for next week and like. Okay. And now they're out of stock. And now, yeah, right. So you end up you end up going well. You, you've got this unsustainable range creep of existing lines, a mm. lot of which are very specialised, which is fantastic. And it's a trouble because that is part of the advantage of Flames of War is that it was a mainstream game, but you could buy, uh, you know, US airborne fifty caliber MG AA teams, mm. right. And they were very cool little models that were specific only in your US Airborne list. But I think that's, you know, do they really need to do a whole book? Well, see, that's where I think you, that's why I think we're going to end up with like a halfway house. And I think the new, uh, the German Light 90th box is kind of that new halfway point. Yeah. I still think you want a book because, um, and this is something Lee said, oh, we do need books anymore. I went, well, yes, because I can buy the book. The book's sexy. It's got some cool, you know, got cool history bits, blah, blah, blah. But also I get to see most of the range, most of the rules. I get to make an army list and I get to go and buy what I want. Whereas with where, with where the cards are at the moment, I've got to pick up my box of Lee's to then find out, oh, actually, there are too many points. I don't really want them. Yeah, no, I got that. So, so, so you have a book, but what I'm saying is what it used to be was they would do... Um, a main core book and then you'd have wave one releases of the models and then wave two releases of the models and then that was it for that army what I think you'll find now is if they you know what I hope they'll do is they'll go right here's the book with the add-on core 
lines because the existing lines are already plastic. But a year later, here's a wild card that can go with this book or this book. Okay, yeah, I think I think I get what you mean, and I think I I think that probably could be the way that they end up going, actually. And I think like that is yeah, you could be right on that front. You know, and then and then you have that add-on unit that adds a bit of extra flavour. Like here's the the Easy Company extra models, you know, in a I, little box with the extra rules just for that particular thing, rather than having to have that all at release of the airborne book, for example. Yeah, I and I I do think we're we're not going to see some of those rarer units anymore, which I I don't, I don't mind so much. I mean, yeah, sure, you can, well they did have as you said like airborne fifty cows. I. I loved my American Airborne. I had a lot of American Airborne-less armies I painted over years in different theatres. I never bought them. You know, I never well, sort of need to rush out and get them. If you change your mind, I do have. Yeah, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah I only know this because I, I bought them all for Carivory and I was really excited to run them after watching Band of Brothers again. And uh, I had, yeah, we got them all sitting in a box in my room. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit like when they did the um, the special scout, this like British Power. There's like a, motor, a a guy on a bicycle, a guy on oh. a yeah, it a, yeah. It was like a really weird. It was like three different teams that just didn't seem like they should go together. And it's like, and here's the box set for it. And I don't, I I think Adam bought one just because he wanted to have one of every British Power thing. Yeah, and then it sat in a box. Or sorry, sat yeah, sat in a box, painted, never used it. But yeah, well, yours, yours actually painted. Mine is still new and blister. So, <laughs> well, that's Adam's a painting machine. But cool. Okay. Well, I think that's probably. Well, I can hear you anxious to get on with some hobby. So. Oh no! Actually, I've been doing hobby work the whole time. I've been talking. Yeah. Well. I, I'm now. Yeah. I'm on my ninth of twenty-one Italian tanks. <laughs> well, there, therein lies my error. Obviously, I should have my uh, my hobby set out. Oh so, yeah, I mean I wouldn't paint while we're doing this because I'd go wrong. But you can put some stuff together. Just I'm getting a lot slower than I would normally, but you know. To be honest, the new stuff you kind of just snap it out, you know, and it, it goes right together. I say so. Some of it, yeah. I mean, I would. I was saying, I said the other guys, and obviously repeated myself, but obviously that's the thing about having the cast in two halves. So the church was I did yesterday. Nice kit, wasn't you know? Kind of, I had a, did have a couple of issues putting it together just for the way round things go and all that, and I was. Probably being a bit of an umpty, half asleep. Um, the the carrier platoon, the carriers though, the new British carriers are absolutely amazing. Um, they, you said they snap together a little bit of glue. Uh, they're future proof for them. I, I can't talk highly enough. They're they're really good, great set. And the fact that I think it's like nine of them for eighteen or twenty quid. Yeah. I just think there is it's a, almost a must have. I'm I'm attempting to buy another box and do an early war army. One of the carrier. There's a carry list. Oh, in the, there's a carry list in the desert. The only thing I would say about the new plastics and Fez's hobby tip of the episode is the uh, the lightsaber technique, or especially on on machine guns. Oh, the make uh, of the hotting up the blade before you try and yeah, the machine get your scalpel, yeah. get a small little nightlight, candlelight, tea light, or just a lighter or a match, and just heat up your scalpel blade. So when you have a very fragile 50 cal machine gun barrel, where if you use side cutters, you put too much pressure and it snaps. If you heat up your scalpel blade, or even if you, know, if you just use a normal scalpel, the, the pressure of cutting puts 
too much um, compression on the blade on the on the barrel it snaps so if you heat up your scalpel blade it will slice straight through the plastic and sprue and not put any stress on the actual component and that is the only way i've found of successfully getting some of those barrels out in one piece without putting too much compression on them to actually snap them I would, I would say th- these aren't so bad, but I know other plastic company models, uh, it, you definitely want that method for. Yeah. No, I, I found it on the 50 cows for the uh, tank destroyers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, actually, I think on my, the Shermans, which I'm assuming is exactly yeah. the same design, yeah, yeah. had similar issues. It's just the problem that, you know, just trying to get plastic to flow through that mould and get everything filled out. You know, you, you've got a lot of limitations. Um so it's understandable, but it's, well, once you know that trick, you're like, actually, this is the, that was the only thing you can really go against them. The rest of it all kind of falls together nice and easy. Although I would say sometimes when you put together a particularly nice resin and metal model and you, how quick it is, <laughs> I'm like, I love plastics and I do the yeah. plastic way forward, but I'm like, I sometimes wish they were a little bit quicker to put together. Well, that's just because you're slow. Dude, I used to get a rhino put together in less than 10 minutes and cleaned. Yeah, but I unless you've built a one eight hundred scale uh, Tavia battleship. Yeah, so I've not done that enough. At that level, I mean, that, it always made me laugh. Coming from a scale model background, looking at war gamers complaining about delicate, fiddly pieces taking time. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. My, my dad, my dad said, "Oh Ed, I've got a firefly upstairs, one thirty fifth scale firefly. Can you do me a favour? I'm a little bit older now. Can you can you go do the tracks for me?" Oh God. And I was like, well, okay, all right, because I'm expecting, like, okay, it's a rubber track thing or whatever, or, or, or like it would be like a GW kit of just tracks that you glue into each other. But I get up there, and the track plates have separate end plates. Yeah. So you have to actually build the track as per the real one to go right, yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, it looked amazing when it was done, but... But killed your soul doing it. Yeah, I would have done it for myself. At that point, the model would have been, uh, you know, it would have been furied and wrecked, and the tracks would have been mysteriously blown off. And <laughs> I thought you were going to say that last point where he goes, right, this is going to the bottom of the pile of plastic. Yes. Well, yeah, I would have looked at it first, to be honest. There. Cool. Well, Fez, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you very much. It's good to, good to be back and to be talking about hobby. It is, and um, obviously we've got we're gonna have quite a few because we've got the well the next one of these, and then we're gonna do a bit of an on the road for the open day. Sounds good. Which we do need to arrange, and also we're gonna have an on the road for devices. Yep. Oh dear. <laughs> Just, oh, so, so much editing already. Yeah. Hope back home again. <laughs> feeling burnt out already. Okay. Um, <laughs> joking, joking. Um, but yeah, no, it's cool. I'm, I say I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm. I've been missing modelling, definitely. Have we have we got a tagline yet to sign off with? Uh, I've been going with it's emotional. It's, it's been emotional. Yeah, what? that's what we used to do for Game, for Game of Thrones because uh, it, it's a long story. And uh, well, Game uh, of Thrones is a long story. There's there's a lot of boobs and everyone dies from what I can gather. Um, no, I, I, it's awkward because the, the, the person that takes the mick out of might listen to this. Oh dear. <laughs> so, Let's not do that. Let's, I don't. I don't want to explain the long story. Let's, let's say insert <laughs> insert witty ending remark here, and then leave it at that. <laughs> I say, surely, surely we should. It should be something with shooting because it's shooting scoot. So we've done the scoot now, and then the ending's the, the shoot. 
She no scoot. The, the scoot. The scoot. Yes, has to be something to scoot in it. If you if you pass your uh, tactics test, that is. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. I don't know. I'm trying to think. We'll think of something funny for the next time. This is episode zero, so we're allowed to be rambling and crap at the end, right? Exactly, yes. That's, that's, <laughs> that is why we have an episode zero to kind of go. And also, like, if it fails to record, who cares? It was episode zero. It has yes. And I, I'm pretty sure it's recorded. He says. He says. <laughs> is the red light supposed to be on or off? <laughs> <laughs> Just checking the laptop. Uh, it's not. That, that doesn't have to be on to record, right? <laughs> You're just talking to yourself. You're just talking to the podcast again. <laughs> you just listen yeah. to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, well, uh, yeah. Um, thanks for coming on and something witty about Scoot. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, cool. Uh, thanks, Fez. Bye-bye. Bye.